0: The following podcast has been paid for by the Wrestling World Order. Hey yo, Chico.
1: Welcome to episode 45 of the Wrestling World Order podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Sean. And, uh, yeah, uh, I mean if you didn't know where, where where I was going with that um i mean the news broke uh like late on in the weekend and then uh yesterday evening uh, unfortunately uh we lost uh Scott Hall uh yesterday evening um he had some complications from his hip surgery that he was having and i uh, from what i saw and uh, i mean this is just Uh, and who knows if this was really the truth or what what whatever it was what i saw is that he had suffered three heart attacks Mm -hmm. and he was basically um as of like the first thing i saw monday morning he was on uh life support
0: yeah at that
1: point and they were just waiting for family to arrive uh to to remove him from life support so yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely some sad news. Uh, I mean, the dude uh, fought a hard fight, had a, uh, I mean, a hard life. Um, I mean, uh, did a lot of chemicals and uh, kind of uh, along with all the uh, bo- uh, damage he inflicted uh, on his uh, body uh it just i think it kind of caught up with him based on what you know we've seen um it, it's just sad it's sad to hear it because i mean he was finally i think he finally got like his his um his, his life together in a way you know
0: yeah i mean he was in uh i mean he he was involved with uh if you had watched it on uh, i'm not sure if it's still on netflix the uh uh, was it called the resurrection of Jake, the snake Roberts? Right. That uh, Scott Hall was in that. And similarly to Jake had, um, worked with diamond Dallas page and, you know, trying to, you know, really work on his issues with the substance use and, um, just in terms of like getting healthy and, uh, you know, physically fit. Yeah, and doing the yoga and doing the you know, fit in all all manner of ways, right? Kind of emotionally and you know, physically. Yeah, I mean Very I mean warm. people talk
1: about wrestling being fake, but I mean truth be told, these guys do put their bodies through a lot. I mean, yeah. A lot of them are uh they're they're, they're they they damage their bodies. Uh, For Mm -hmm. the entertainment of us all in a lot of ways. And, you know, he, he did have a lot of issues physically. And then of course, you know, like the substance issues and whatnot. It, it, he fought through a lot of that remarkably, like the last 10 years or so. It was, I mean, he, he, he was doing, he was doing pretty well by all accounts.
0: Yeah. Um, Very resilient. And I mean, yeah the surgery it's on, I mean, the, like it was related to, uh, uh, a fall he took and, uh, had broken his hip. Right. Yeah. And, and then what, I mean, what you read again, like you said, is, uh, you know, it's just based on what it, what is out there is that like a, um, uh, uh, like a blockage or whatever, uh, dislodged or loosened or whatever and caused these heart attacks, Um, but yeah, like very sad, but like also, I mean, like you know, as people tend to do, you know, you reflect on like a person's life and their career. And in this instance, I mean, he had a, I mean, just a huge monumental career.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was thinking, I was thinking back about it today. The first thing I really remember about him was in uh, the AWA in, like, the Mm mid-'80s. And I just remember him kind of being, like, a burly kind of, like, thick kind of guy. Like, not very very memorable. Like, just kind of there. You know what I mean? Like, he was good, but, like, and you could tell there was something there. I mean, he had good size and everything, Mm -hmm. but he was just kind of just a, a huge guy yeah um, and at that time i mean there was a lot of huge guys in wrestling i mean it was know, just kind of playing you know like you had just curly hair and a mustache and you know yeah
0: it's interesting with him because sometimes i think uh when you like look back maybe that era or into the nineties. And you think about like the, you know, large guys that, you know, wrestled around him. I mean, who was he often paired with was Kevin Nash. Mm -hmm. And like, you forget like how big of a guy Scott Hall was. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, like height wise and also very like thick. I mean, he was uh pretty like muscular and everything, but, like I, I'm not sure how tall he was, like probably like in the six and a half foot range or so. Um, He was, you know, he was pretty tall.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, they have him at six foot seven.
0: Yeah. And that could be a build height, but I mean, yeah, there's believable build height. enough. Like, I mean, he towered over a lot of people. Um right. I, I think, I mean, for me, I I can vaguely uh, recall some things around from AWA, uh, but I think where I mean, you know, when I think of like a character and like I maybe more of my uh, uh, initial introduction or what I can like definitely recall is like the Diamond Stud um, in WCW.
1: So like he started out in like 1989 at WCW just kind of not really like a ton of stuff happening for him then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he did some uh, international stuff and then he came back to WCW in the early nineties, 91 and 92. And like you said, he was known at, in that, um, at that point as the Diamond Stud, which really was kind of like the character uh, uh, the person, Scott Hall, uh, the character that he was portraying in wrestling definitely evolved at that point. And it was very much a, a precursor to the the character that, like, that really gained him his first huge amount of fame, which was uh, the Razor Ramon character. But yeah. if you saw him as Diamond Stud, you saw, oh, my God, yeah, there, there's a lot of Razor Ramon in that character
0: yeah absolutely. this was at a
1: point he was in a faction called the diamond mine and it's where he kind of started befriending uh diamond Dallas page mm-hmm. so I mean their friendship goes back quite a ways as far as as that goes
0: yeah yeah
1: uh, that being said i mean his his run his initial run in wcw really i mean it was so-so mm-hmm. it, it was okay i mean you knew of him you, he, he wasn't there for very long and then he got the opportunity of a lifetime which was uh, uh around 92 93 ish uh was uh becoming razor ramon in uh in wwf and obviously a very much a tony montana uh character from scarface
0: yeah yeah
1: but i mean he sold it so very well and did such
0: a great job with it and this was really like still in the era where they were doing a lot a lot more of those vignettes like they would introduce a new character get you kind of hyped up it would give you an idea of who is this person are they a heel are they a face what's their character like everybody a lot of maybe not everybody, but like everybody came in with some sort of character and it got you kind of hyped up for them. And yeah, I think it was 92. I want to say, um, cause he was in that, um, yeah, 92. Cause he was in that, uh, survivor series match teaming with, uh, Ric Flair against, uh, Savage and perfect. And that is definitely one I'll mention some matches like in a bit, um, that are you know worthwhile, you know, and good, uh, Scott Hall matches to check out, sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, they really, I mean, um, I think at that point, I strapped a rocket to the guy, too. And I think, I mean, he had everything you had that charisma. I, I, I mean, they 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 talked a lot about and Vince. I I remember on commentary I like to say how he oozes machismo, um, mm-hmm. and I, you know, it's he played that up so well. But it was part of this guy's natural charisma, and he he finally, I mean, he had locked into this character, and like you said, just sold it so well. Um, And it was something so memorable and absolutely. Yeah. And I was kind of, I was thinking about this earlier as we were going to talking about, you know, potting and we, you know, we chatted a little bit about, well, let's, you know, talk about Scott Hall. And I was kind of thinking earlier, I think on my way to work actually. And I was thinking about him and I said, you know, there's, there's, Maybe a handful or, or more, you know, probably more than that of guys um, or wrestlers or people involved in wrestling that people do impersonations of.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I mean, how I even started the episode out. Yeah. But not just voices either. Um, oh,
0: the walk. Like the rain yes
1: walk, yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't even know how many times. Like every once in a while at work, like not in front of anybody, mind you. But I'll like I'll be walking down a hallway and I'll do the walk.
0: Uh, like your hands uh stretched, kind of stretched out, like you're yeah. sort of surfing. Yeah, like it, But. Yeah. He is really, I mean, he is in that spot of like, you think of people, okay, who do people impersonate? Like Savage or Hogan or Austin or Flair or, you know, I mean, we've even said it like, uh, you know, like Paul Bearer, um, you know, and people impersonate the voice and Razor Ramon, Scott Hall is right, right up there. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. With that. Um, and even like when he broke away from that real, real thick, like, you know, Razor Ramon accent that he had when he, especially when he first came into WWF, um, like the, the, hey, yo, uh, stuff from like, uh, from WCW and Mm -hmm. doing the survey and everything, um, with the NWO, um, yeah, people definitely, they impersonate that, um, and that that's something he was very much known for. And I I had watched uh, Raw from uh, last night. I um, know uh, you know I mean Kevin Owens uh, did like a, a hey yo at the start of his promo. Um, right. So it, yeah, it it just goes to the show I mean how much the guy like um, had a, a like a lasting. Uh, Memory just even based on character alone
1: yeah absolutely and it's funny I mean we had not really had a conversation about about that about you know the imitating imitating his his uh vocal mannerisms and uh the movements and stuff like that and it was something I was actually going to bring up and we we hadn't talked about that, but it's so funny that both of us kind of had that in our mind about about that particular thing. And it, it's it's interesting, you know, because uh, one of the things that that was always kind of said about him and about his um, his mind for the business is that he was probably considered one of the most creative people out there like yeah and he had such great ideas and a great mind for the business and um i, I was kind of like when we we're kind of doing like a little bit of a biograph biographical type thing there and it it mentioned that like vince mcmahon and pat patterson were like hugely impressed with the ideas that he came up with the tony montana thing and mm-hmm. And everything that that he had, all the ideas he had for the voice and the sayings and stuff like that. That well, a lot of all, it
0: too. Like WCW, I know that he was pretty big in terms of like uh, the the crow character for Sting.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Um, that he, uh, I think, had essentially like proposed that idea. <laughs> And I, and I think even some of the things that the NWO were doing, uh, in terms of like the merchandise and stuff like that, like WCW did not have nearly like the merchandising that WWF did. Oh, not even and, close. Yeah. Not even close. Like, I mean, they've said it all in interviews. I mean, Hall has Nash has Bischoff has admitted to it, um, um, so that like when those guys came in, uh Hall Nash, mm-hmm. like they they're like the like Vince had like uh had and has to this day this operation of just cranking out and merchandising everything that you can yeah. think of from WCW by comparison did not and and never really did. Um yeah, but, they
1: weren't they really I mean i think the nwo i mean not to fast forward too far but I think the nwo really kind of set them off on that on yeah. that path to have that but even so i think it was still they were really in, like way behind the eight ball on that yeah and it, i mean you look you look now at um i mean wwe is still to this day uh great at it but now, you know, with some of these other organizations, you know, AEW and even Ring of Honor and some of the smaller independents, mm-hmm. the amount of merch that they have of like, you know, their the, like not even wrestler specific, but even specific to the brand itself is staggering. And then yeah. the wrestlers with things like um, pro wrestling tees, yeah. it's everybody has a freaking shirt now. So yeah. whatever wrestler you're a fan of, you can get a shirt. And it don't matter what size you are either because sure. they'll they'll make it for you in whatever size you want, yeah. uh, which is great. It's a great concept. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he did have a lot to do with that, I think, and realized how far behind the times WCW was
0: Yeah, uh, with and a it, lot of that stuff. It says something, though, for, I mean, what they, you know, Designed, I don't know who designed or what. Actually, you know the the say like the original NWO shirt, just the simple like you know. Oh
1: yeah, it was
0: initials and all of that. But it's still to this day one of the highest selling, most purchased like shirts. Uh Yeah,
1: and uh, yeah, it was some artist. I think at Disney did it for them. Quick. Okay, so, uh, but.
0: but... Yeah, and not only
1: not only is it like still like one of the greatest sellers, it's one of the most um uh 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 altered and redone as something else logos. Yeah. I mean how yeah. we have I mean Jim's BBQ, we have we have stickers of that logo that's actually just say BBQ on them.
0: Yeah, I mean our entire podcast is uh <laughs> kind of oh that. right, right, yeah. But I- you know, to bring it back, I mean, away, you know, and on the hall, but that important part of, like, making that aspect of it cool. Um, his, his mind for the business. Yeah. And
1: bringing bringing it around to the marketing sense mm-hmm. of it was so important and vital. It was so important and vital for – for uh wcw nwo to succeed at that point
2: mm-hmm.
1: because if they didn't have all of that all of those big contracts and all of that stuff wouldn't have meant dick because they wouldn't have been able to well for the time being that they did actually afford that and pay for those guys for the couple, the few years that they did because they were making so much money on all of that stuff i mean all the shirts and all of that stuff I mean it was crazy like how much they were doing in that. Yeah. Um but I mean we're getting a little far ahead but I mean his run in WWF really was impressive. I mean granted he I mean he he didn't necessarily have a heavyweight championship run but I mean he was uh the Intercontinental champion and um I mean, he had a great, great run with that title, and some great matches, some great memorable matches mm-hmm. uh, with with Shawn Michaels over that title. The latter match, of course, at WrestleMania ten. Uh, I, I I'd be remiss if I didn't say. I mean, great matches. Uh, I, I I mean, not necessarily. I haven't watched it in a number of years, but um, the upset loss to um, oh. one two three kid. Yeah. I mean, what he did for him, I mean, we, I mean, growing up, I mean, we watched a lot of wrestling, so we knew who Sean Waltman was from watching him in uh global as the lightning kid mm-hmm. and seeing Scott Hall go, Hey, I want to work with this guy. And they put together a match that was believable where after the match monikered as the one, two, three kid got the win over him. It was amazing. And it was great to see. It was, man, let's give this guy a shot. And it created, I mean, a lifelong friendship and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and just a, a team with the two guys and all of that. I mean, there's so much influence he had on so many people and, and stuff that uh he was involved in. It's just a it, what an amazing career. But the WWF stuff, I mean, it, I mean, that's really where he made his name.
0: Yeah. Well, and and even that, I mean, another one of the matches, just because you mentioned the WrestleMania 10 one. Uh, but like uh SummerSlam in 95. Um, he had another ladder match uh with Shawn Michaels. Right. Yeah. And and that was excellent too. It's, it's interesting. This is another part that I was thinking of. And so we might kind of, you know, I might jump around in the like WCW a little bit, but, um, Sure. He, because you mentioned him, not necessarily a world title holder, but, you know, he is one of those guys that often is cited as like one of the best to have not won a world title. Um, at least a major world title. I mean, I'm not sure major being by like WCW, WWF, what have you. You know, mm-hmm. and and I was thinking of this, and I'm like, you know what? Um, people remember him. I, I think a, a, a lot today, uh, without getting off on too much of a tangent. But a lot, a lot of people today kind of look at, well, if they don't never get a world title or they need a world title run or they should be pushed to a world title. And if they don't get that, then the company's not doing anything with them or either co- or whatever. And this goes to show that Scott Hall created a, you know, in, in both WWF and WCW, like memorable characters, lasting legacy um, without like really getting a world world championship um and and people still talk about him and talk about the nwo and talk about razor ramon and and i that just that piece of it just stands out to me because i you know and and you think of other people like jake roberts or, or or ted dibiase and i know ted dibiase probably had won other world championships but I think people look so much to that or down on that these days that they forget that, Hey, there, there's people that are remembered um, and probably will be remembered more than other world champions, just simply based on like who they are. And he, he created something kind of bigger than in some respects, some of the the world champions. I mean, the, you know, and, and being a part of the NWO and the first guy in that and kind of giving that legendary promo uh, when he came in through the crowd, um, what an iconic moment uh, that was. You know, he comes down, he interrupts a match. People know who it is. is. We're still like kind of in that era of like not really like the internet sort of not being what it became. And yeah. people are like, oh, my God, it's Razor Ramon coming through the crowd at uh, in WCW and him referencing, and I think I'll paraphrase him uh, or directly quote, he says, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. So that kind of in just speaking to that is something bigger to me than a world championship reign and how much like you know, that moment gets played again and again and again. Um, and yeah. and I, I, th- I think people will look back on that for years and years to come.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we often talk about, you know, when people make appearances and some of them are, you know, surprise appearances and or they change organizations and sometimes those um, those uh, surprise appearances uh, moments are great other times they're not so great um and that one is just memorable it was amazing the energy was right it just it worked so well yeah. and um it yeah a really remarkable moment in in the history of professional wrestling and it was him
0: and, and the way it was done too i mean from my memory You know, he comes down. The announcers are like, what the hell's going on? Um, you know, he's not coming out to music, he's not coming out, it's very like raw looking. Um, no pun intended. But it's you know, it's very like just kind of like there's a confusion. The match just stops. That is going on in the ring. Like the guys just exit. That makes it feel like this is not part of the show. Right. Um, this isn't supposed to happen. Um, and I think that's what made it really memorable and why it was so like amazing to watch at that point. Mm-hmm. Was because I mean that, you know, it, it was cool to have that because it was just a, it was the start of like just a huge shift. Um, and WCW had already been kind of shifting things and gaining traction, and you know they they had some stuff uh, you know with their first Nitro with Luger jumping and all of that, but this was I mean taking it to like that next uh, that next level, and that yeah. was the, the catalyst for that.
1: Yeah, you felt um, watching that like the Nitro. I don't know how much longer it would have lasted without the emergence of Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and what that did. Because I just don't feel like the way the path that WCW was going on was going to result in them doing anything but eventually just dying and going away this at least breathed some life into the product some of the mistakes and whatnot that they made after the fact notwithstanding uh, i mean but that we're not talking about that today we're talking about the 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 influence the impact that scott hall had on that moment and it just it just was amazing and still to this day one of the great all time moments as far as professional wrestling goes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the you had mentioned, I mean, Justin, uh, I know we're jumping around here, but you had also no, it's kind, okay. of kind of like yeah. the uh, match against uh, Waltman there, the one, two, three kid with the upset and everything. Yeah. And one of the things I was like kind of reading or looking at was just how much like Hall was very big on like, putting people over or like getting, you know, helping to propel people. Sure. um, To a next step. Um, One of the stories I read was about at a point where Hall made an appearance in ECW. And um, I forget who it was that he wrestled, but like there was conversation with him about, well, you're the big star coming in. Um, you know you should win but that hall disagreed with that and he's like i'm just here for fun like this guy here is uh and i wish i remember who it was he's like this guy here is here every night um he's like i i you know he should win um and basically he wound up putting this other guy over um
1: yeah, and that, that was something I think that persisted throughout his career. Like I, I was reading something. Um, there's a there's a fad like up in the Midwest called AIW, and they had brought him in for a weekend. And I think they maybe did like two or three shows on the, on the run. And he rode around with a few of the guys the entire weekend, and he paid for all of the gas hmm. the entire trip all of the meals for the entire trip and just you know that way those guys were reaping the benefits of everything that they they earned that weekend with him you know that you know they 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 took home all of their money basically that they earned from the shows
0: yeah well and thinking, I mean, back in like, really like, I mean, the thick of his career with WCW and putting people over, over how much, um, you know, with DDP. Oh uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. That, that, I mean, yeah, that's a prime example of it.
0: Yeah. With like, um, the nitro where, and I mean, DDP, DDP talks about this, you know, he's like, this is what really made me when he got like, uh, the cutter, in on Hall, and
1: mm-hmm. they were
0: like trying to get DDP to join the NWO. And they right, it and like gave a shirt to DDP, I think he put it on. And then ultimately, you know, he hits the cutter on Hall. Uh, Nash gets kind of go, goes over the ro- top rope, I think he sidesteps him or pulls the top rope down or whatever. And Nash kind of crashes and burns. Um, and DDP goes through the crowd and like how I mean, how much like, yeah, DDP was really kind of building up, like, and they were doing a good job with building him as a star in WCW, but how much to that moment? I mean, I think uh uh Dallas Page really uh credits all a lot of that, um, and his build-up and ascension in, in WCW too. um Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, for that matter. Right. Yep.
1: Yeah. Just, I mean, amazing. Like it, 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 it shows how much he really did care for the business, how much he liked to do what was right in the business. And it, it, it just, it, it shows just that mind again. I mean, the mind for the business. Yeah. You can, again, you could talk about all of the, um, the laurels and the championships and whatnot, but, Man, I mean, the, this guy was, this guy, I mean, the, the reason why I feel like the news of him passing has hit, like, suck, like major media is because of the impact that he had everywhere and on yep. the business. I mean, seeing, like, articles from ESPN and other other major news sources about him passing away is proof positive of that, like how big of a, a, a star he was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, so the 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 NWO thing, I mean, it was just, it was amazing. Uh, I mean, there were some things after, you know, his, his tenure with uh, WCW ended, and I mean, some of the stuff was pretty, pretty horrible i mean to see and to see what level he was at you know when he was with uh, tna and and then seeing some of the videos that came out when he was uh, at other places you know yeah. it's just kind of kind of shitty um
0: but i, mean, I guess but then, i mean the, to see him then get back to a you know a place where um and i mean they you know, they had it on their tribute video, and I think I've seen, a, like, other people post it. Like, Mick Foley had posted it. Uh was kind of, like, the last line from, like, his... uh, uh, the, uh you know, yeah. Yep. ...game speech.
1: Yep, and I, I had that queued up. Uh yeah. So, uh, hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. Yeah. And yeah i mean that says it all man yeah and i mean the work that he put in these last 10 years of his life the work that he put in to come out of those depths and turn his life back around you know with the help of his longtime friend um ddp with the support between him and um that that they gave each other between him and jake roberts Mm -hmm. it was it was great to see it was it was nice to see a story like this actually occur where you just weren't talking about somebody who just succumbed to the evils of uh drugs and alcohol or whatever you know whatever his vice was it was good to see all of this occur and it, it, yeah I mean they filmed a documentary about it and it was kind of fascinating to watch but it was better just to know that he did a, a lot of this stuff and, and and did a lot to make himself better yeah um
0: and I I'm glad he had that you know moment well and and you know and twice over for the Hall of Fame and you know it it's again one of those things I mean, Regardless what people you know think about with the Hall of Fame, I mean, it's got the WWE's Hall of Fame. I mean, it 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 meant a lot for him. So regardless, you know, you can argue all day about well, this person's not in there, that person shouldn't be, or whatever. It, leaving all of that garbage aside, yeah. um, this it means something for you know, those men and women that do go into it, um, you know, uh, all, all arguments, again, aside about what it is or whatever, when they do, when you hear speeches like that, and you see how much it meant for, you know, for Jake Roberts, or for Scott Hall, or, you know, for, you know, any, anyone who had, you know, uh, got, you know, who has, or, you know, has gotten into it like that, you know, you, you hear speeches like that and they are just so, you know, happy to be there and for him to be able to have been able to have that moment to get inducted. Um, yeah. I, I I think that, you know, that says a lot about like the value of it. And, you know, that he was, a, you know, that again, I mean, quite frankly, that he was, he was there to, to give his own speech, and the resiliency of him uh, to be able to give that speech. Um, Because, I mean, unfortunately, there's been some of those uh, inductions where somebody hasn't, you know, hasn't been able to. Um, so that's I, I would more.
1: say there's been way too many of them.
0: A- absolutely. I mean, we've seen some in recent years, you know, whether it's been Davey Boy Smith or Ravishing Rick Rude or or Kurt Henning. Um, or
1: uh, the one coming up, uh,
0: Vader. Or for Vader. Um, a- a- and for various different reasons, right? I mean, uh, the you know, but the, that Scott Hall had that ability to be inducted, you know, himself or as Razor Ramon. And then again, with the NWO, um, I, you know, I think that's, that's a, a wonderful thing. And, a you know, in spite of, uh, stuff that was going on for him in like the, you know, two thousands, um, you know, that he was able to come out of that and, um, You know, over the last 10 years or whatever it's been, uh, to you know, be living like a you know, a happier, maybe more fulfilling life. I mean, that's that's great. Um, you know, so I, I, yeah, I,
1: I dare say, I mean, even though the first one I'm going to mention is in hindsight, but like maybe the two like greatest ones that I've seen as far as, um, as far as seeing them get. Inducted and how good it was for them, and one of them was obviously in hindsight, but uh, the the two the two that I feel like where it was so good for the the people to be able to get inducted, as uh, Scott Hall's is obvious, and then the other one uh, because of the circumstances what happened after it was uh, Warrior.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, just because I mean, I I, I mean it, it it was great that he was able to get that kind of closure. And we're I mean we're not bringing this about warrior, but it, it, it kind of in the same sense that Scott Hall was able to overcome all of those demons and be there to do do it and to, to have survived being and being there you know it it, is just so so inspirational really for maybe a lot of people to see that maybe a lot of people that struggle with addictions and to know that there's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel yeah so to say and i i mean i don't i'm not trying to get sappy about it but i mean really it, it does help to see people you know fight through and and make it you know
0: Well, I mean, that's a basis for, you know, any type of like, uh, whether group or support group or anything like that is that, you know, uh, people garner inspiration or share experiences or what has worked for them, what's been helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and that's that value of having that type of, uh, uh, type of type of thing or that type of exposure is that, Hey, you know, other people know that they're not alone in that. And seeing also like Jake the snake, I mean, uh, uh, you know, another name of like, I, I think for, you know, uh, a good long while people, you know, did not know if like Jake Roberts, like would be around to give his hall of fame induction speech. So I, I, I think that for him and and Hall uh, to to have been able to have that, I think was pretty special, um, and and not um, just like yeah. not
1: just be around to give it and still be a mess, you know what I mean. But to like maybe be right. on the other side of it, you know, because yeah, mean, for every like for every person that maybe maybe was there to give it and then still like. Still is a bit of a mess. They're, those guys, I think, were in the right, right shape. You know, at that at that point, and continuing on that point. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it it, it it was very very cool to see and everything. Um, yeah, but but kind of to um, kind of to get to. A thing where i feel the best thing that we can do is talk about uh good great memories of of him and you mentioned this earlier that you had like a list of matches uh memorable yeah. matches of his. so why don't we go through those
0: yeah it was actually an article and i i agreed with several of these i was like oh you know the this is uh yeah, this is a great uh listing here of just uh memorable um Scott Hall matches. Um so uh the first on the list was one I mentioned the Razor Ramon and Rick Flair versus Mr. Perfect and Randy Savage from uh Survivor Series of 92. Um and what I mean, just like a big like star-studded uh tag team match that was um, yeah, and yeah, just I mean, entertaining. I mean, you look at who you have. I mean, Razor uh, teamed up, you know, with Flair. Great, like just heel uh, combo there. So that, and I remember that match, and it was it was quite good. I think it ended in a little bit of a wonky finish, like a DQ. But uh, I mean, still worthwhile to check out just for how you know how fun. Uh, it, you
1: know, yeah. I mean, that era that that's who you want to see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The next one on the list is uh, Razor Ramon versus Bret Hart from Royal Rumble of 93. And some of these I mean I I'll be honest I don't quite recall like the match there's some other ones where I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's uh, definitely one I would have included." Um so this this almost this makes me want to go back and check um and check these out and say, "You know what?" I haven't watched this. Maybe it's a bit of a, you know, of a gem, uh, that I haven't watched in a long time.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I, I would, I would think that, I mean, a list like this is that that's precisely what it's for. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This one, I definitely remember. And I really do enjoy this match. Uh, even as we kind of look at like, uh, who's involved, uh, but it's from Slambury in 1997. It's uh, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Six uh, versus Kevin Green, Rick Flair, and Roddy Piper.
1: Oh, God. Yeah.
0: And uh. I just remember, I really enjoy this match. It is just like, for me, it's a lot of fun. It is, um, it's one of those because in the thick of like the, and not to get negative, but like in the thick of the NWO storyline where I was like, You know, I, I, I liked a lot of the guys sort of on the WCW quote unquote side of things that I wanted to see like some comeuppance, you know, I wanted to see like, you know, Flair get a win or Piper or somebody from WCW get a win because the NWO had been running roughshod by this point over WCW for, I don't know, the, the better part of a year. Um So, and even
1: when even at points when they did get wins, um, the wins were like taken away from them. Like, uh, case in point, like the Steiner brothers beating Hall and Nash,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, even then, like, this was a win for Flair, uh, Kevin Green, and and Piper, but the very next night, it was like the Flair just got wiped out by like Hall Nash and Six,
1: yeah, Uh, yeah.
0: Uh, again looking looking at that leaving the you know story or whatever it wound up happening or didn't happen or what have you the match on its own i really enjoy um i, I remember I, that I, one
1: it, it, it's entertaining
0: i agree with the list i think i think that's one here's one that i'm guessing ni- neither of us have seen from 1988 uh a new japan uh pro wrestling cup series it's bob orton Dick Murdoch and Scott Hall uh, versus Antonio Inoki, uh, Riki Sh- Shoshu and Kentaro Hoshino. Uh, I have not seen that one. No. So again, but, maybe, you know,
1: so yeah, that, that uh, new Japan match definitely one to check out. This is a good list because I mean, they, they, these aren't necessarily the matches that people would think of, you know, yeah, in some
0: cases. Um here's another gem to check out and having Peacock allows for this uh to be able to go back is uh Razor Ramon versus Rick Martel uh from September 27th of 93 on Monday Night Raw. Ooh.
1: And uh, I mean, if, if if you recall our Royal Rumble series that we did, we're both fans of Martel.
0: Yeah. I mean, just um, how much like of a a clinic, um, yeah. he he can put on, um, and I think uh, you know working together well, and I could see it being like their styles meshing really well yeah. with one another. So um, that again, that might just be one I I go back and I check out, you know, just to, hey, out of curiosity, go back and check this. Uh, this one I enjoy again like um right early early on with the NWO uh, still of you know fresh sort of in its infancy of an angle uh but fall brawl a 96
2: Okay uh,
0: so Hogan Hall Nash and uh the fake Sting uh versus Arn Anderson Lex Luger Rick Flair, and uh and Sting in War Games! Yes. Um and it was an entertaining war games. Um and uh this notes that Hall started off the match for his team. Uh right. just as Arn Anderson started it off for their uh the WCW team.
1: I I I gotta wonder, like, what are the stats on war games matches that Arn Anderson was in? And how many of them did he start the match off in?
0: Well, I also like what percentage do with that is they took that, like, I think on tour in like 1980, like 1988.
1: I think like every almost like every year they did, like 86, 87, 88. Like, it was like their great American bash tour, and they took it around to like all yeah. of the. But I I swear he had to have started, like, what, I got to wonder what the percentage was. Like, it's got to be somewhere in, like, the 90 percentile.
0: Yeah. Well, I remember, like, Dusty's speech. He talked about, like, you know, every, like, war games, uh, like, him and Arn starting, um, you know, starting off the uh, war games match. And yeah, that they took this thing out on tour, their Great American Bash tour. How, who knows how many towns or you know they hit on this thing? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, pretty ridiculous. Um, this one, obviously, it's it's. I think it's an entertaining match, but obviously, I mean, it's an even bigger moment um, than anything. And I think it trans- It it's one of those transcendent moments. Um, is from Bash at the Beach 1996. We got uh, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, uh, and Hulk Hogan uh, versus Lux Luger, Sting, and Randy Savage.
1: Yeah, I kind of figured that it was going to make an um, appearance on this list. And, yeah, it, it's just because, I mean, the moment that it was, not trying to diminish it, but the moment that it was far transcends the match itself. The match itself was so-so. Mm-hmm. But like yeah. the moment makes for a, one of those all-time memorable moments in wrestling. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a five-star match, you know, Dave Meltzer, but it it can it can be a five-star moment.
0: Oh sure, and I think I mean it absolutely was, and it's one of those again. How how often have I watched or rewatched that moment? versus how often have I watched, uh, you know, maybe some of like the matches that are classified as quote unquote, five stars, you know? And some, you know, it, it, it just goes to show, I think how much wrestling is based around like, yes, the wrestling, the in-ring content, that is important. It's not saying that it's it's not, but how much are we like talking about like moments like this? And yes, there was a match, but people will go back and rewatch that again and again and again because of how huge it was. Um, sure, yeah. This one is interesting, and this one uh, uh, would be uh, kind of fun to go back and try to find, um, because I don't think it's on like uh, on Peacock, um, but it's from. October thirtieth of nineteen ninety four, on Action Zone, it is Diesel and Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon and the One Two Three Kid.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. It, it could be there.
0: And then, yeah. So I mean, the ones that were like, "Huh," don't recall it. Haven't seen it again. Just kind of would be interesting to us to go back. And then the top two, we've already mentioned, um, it's Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels from SummerSlam in 95. And, and then the the first, the top one is uh, Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels from uh, WrestleMania 10. Right. Um, and how much, I mean, is that like, again, clips are still played from that ladder match. Um, and I remember liking, yeah, just as much the SummerSlam one, just, you know, even as much as the uh, one from Mania 10. Because um, I think there was a slightly different dynamic with it too. Like I think both uh, with SummerSlam, it was both uh, Sean and Razor were uh, uh, face uh, in that match. It was a little bit different than uh, Michaels was a heel at the time right. of the one at Mania 10. Um yeah but both really good. So some fun kind of hidden gems to check out. um, And then some old favorites uh, uh, to go back and take a look at. Um,
1: Well, I mean, uh, needless to say, I mean, his memory will live on for a very long time. And uh, the memories of all of these great moments and matches and, things will live on for forever, forever. Um, And uh, yeah.
0: It's funny, like even like down to like moves. I mean, like uh, I was just thinking of, um, yeah, obviously like the the Razor's Edge or the Outsider's Edge, but Mm. even as much as something like when I see uh, see somebody do like a fall away slam, Oh yeah, Um, And, you know, thinking of that, like how good he was. And you remember Razor doing like the fall away slam and then kind of sitting up and like dusting his hands off like that. You can remember like that visual of of him doing that. Like it it just goes to show like how ingrained like stuff like that can be. Uh, from wrestling, like so, like something as simple as that just sticks out um in, in my mind uh, yeah. from from something that he did. So, and, yeah. I mean, even
1: I, e- like the toothpick, nobody will ever do a toothpick again and as a gimmick.
0: Oh, yeah, no, no,
1: but nobody, nobody will touch it. I mean, how can they?
0: It, yeah, it,
1: yeah. I mean, and uh, yeah, it's just. I, he he got so many th- so many ideas and so many just things that were like I don't want to use over cuz I I feel like that's just like too much wrestling jargon. Um he just he had such a great mind for building that character and building those mannerisms and uh just little intricacies and things like that like we mentioned the uh, you know like I mentioned just now the toothpick or the walk. Yep. And Oh, the other thing, the um when he would uh uh kind of like mock somebody and he would do the fingers going. You yeah. know? And, or
0: like the the arms extended for the razor's edge, like yeah. you know, yeah, like to a T or when mm-hmm. he does like the thumbs up like kind of like the pointing at himself and uh um the other thing I was thinking too. So oh, I mean, the- along these yeah, yeah. Uh, the manner is and like, I mean I know it's an
1: audio podcast but I was like doing like the fast like like fist pumping thing like he does to his chest yeah
0: um, um the the other lasting thing I thought of was and this was early on more in his heel gimmick as razor uh and I think he even did it as a phase two, uh but where he would take off like the gold chains and he'd hand them to the ringside attendant. And he tell them if something happens to these, something's gonna happen to you. It's just like memorable stuff like that. So uh, yeah, again, I mean, here are things that have nothing really to do with in ring or being a a quote unquote work rate person or um or or anything about the in ring product or whatever. But here are things that are, we're listing off. We're rattling off a half dozen things that Scott Hall slash razor Ramon did that are memorable, that people impersonate um, to this day. Um, and I thought, I think that's great. And that speaks to me, what a lot of pro wrestling is and again, speaking to how much this guy had his finger on the pulse of, and was so ingenious with what he, what he did. Um, you know,
1: what, what he developed know. for his characters. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's remarkable. It really is. Um, and I mean, it, it, he wasn't really active per se, but I mean, he'll he'll definitely missed and it be missed, and it's it's sad to hear, you know. Is it, mm-hmm. I mean, like all the stuff we said about him, you know, really turning stuff around and you know being better.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but yeah, yeah, it's just it, it you know, he's just one of those guys that you know, at it, 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 it at least at least he outlived. His critics you know what i mean like yeah he lived he lived a lot longer than they thought he was going to because a lot of people are like Mm -hmm. oh this guy is they pretty much had a death clock on this guy yeah and and it's so great to see that he was able to maybe maybe atone for some of his mistakes and you know be better yeah and get better it's really it's really cool to see uh yeah
0: yeah and it got I mean, the outpour of uh, you know cross generational too um mm-hmm. of like uh, from wrestlers and people involved with wrestling
1: oh uh, yeah, yeah because I mean i mean uh all, all the stuff that he did i mean the characters and promos and all of that stuff if if you can't as a pro wrestler if you can't learn from what this guy did, then what are you doing mm-hmm if you can't learn how to develop a character and how to develop um, mannerisms and things to not only speak to the people that are in the front row, but also to speak to the people in the back row, then where are you? What, what are you doing? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, he was a master at it. Yeah, he, I mean, he really was, and I mean, the influence is there, man. I, as far as influencing people after him, yeah, it's so funny. I mean, I think we were even talking recently about like something that happened when we went to Boston years ago, and and uh, we were waiting in line at a brewery, and the and a guy was getting at me about something, and I kind of basically channeled my inner Scott Hall at the guy. Like it, I mean, I didn't do the thing, but I did the, you know, like I I was kind of yeah. like egging them on a little bit, you know, and it was just like, you know, but
0: I mean, it it, it all stems from that, you know. Yeah, it, it really does. Well, and I think I mean I've seen some people too, like even outside of like, um you know, wrestling or like cult you know, cultural like significance to people like uh, uh I, I I think I've you know heard some stuff that you know around like like the, the NWO like the Wolfpack music and kind of like some of the things that they did with mm-hmm. like uh like different like you know cultural hip hop like you know kind of involving like some of that uh you know into their um you know, into their character, and I think it was very modern. You know, modern day up to the day. You know, in uh, in the nineties, it was uh, it, it it was fresh and it was over. And I know I'm using that term right, wrestling being really cool at that point and it being so like mainstream. And I remember being. I mean, I was right around that perfect age for it. Um, in high school in uh, uh, in the, in the midst of 96, 97, 98 in the 99 and right, I mean, right during the very height of it and the number of, you know, NWO shirts at, at school or, you know, DX shirts or Austin 316 shirts, there was just. It, it was amazing. It's amazing to see that, like that mainstream, like attention for it, and it, and Hall was a big, big part of that, um, and that it, 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 you know, it crossed to different like, uh, uh cultures. Uh, so I think I think that that's that's pretty remarkable, um, yeah, that they were able to do that, and how huge a role he played. Uh, with that piece of it so yeah
1: yeah i mean yeah the influence definitely was there uh but he he definitely will be missed and uh yeah hurt goes out to his family and friends and anybody you know like i mean obviously uh, you've seen so much so much outpouring and everything but yeah it's definitely uh it's something, I mean, you know, you like, you're going for a surgery on your hip. You probably don't anticipate that, you know, shit's gonna go south quick, I guess. Um Right. But yeah. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely miss him and, you know, hope for the best for his family and everything. Um, yeah. but I mean, we, we, we did have a plan for this episode, Sean, and, um, and I uh, we've done about an hour now on Scott Hall, and I, you know we could keep going, but i I, I think you know, mm-hmm. Scott would maybe want us to stick to our plan a little bit, you know, maybe get yeah. talking about some positive things and talk yep. about wrestling a bit more you know, and sure, you know, maybe focus on some of the things that we did have intended for this episode. so we're going to we're going to dive into our uh WrestleMania rewatch and uh we'll kick that off with uh two of Scott's very good friends in the business from and this match is from WrestleMania 11 uh and uh this event was kind of maligned in a lot of ways because uh there wasn't a whole lot of um there wasn't a lot, of, a whole lot of good, I think, that came out of this uh, this event because it was being evented by Lawrence Taylor and Bam Bam Bigelow, which we, yeah. I know we talked about that last year, but we're going to talk about like the real main event for this event, I feel, which was uh, Diesel versus Shawn Michaels uh, yeah. for the uh, WWF Championship. Yeah, so this... Uh, this match was okay. Uh there, there's some notes that I have uh just uh th- th- they both uh Diesel and Shawn Michaels came out with um, celebrity uh valets, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh Shawn Michaels came out and he had Jenny McCarthy on his arm. Yeah. This was right during the height of the popularity of MTV, so that kind of fit well. And yeah. then uh Diesel conversely had Pamela Anderson on his arm and this was right during the height of the popularity of baywatch so i mean this kind of this is kind of a little bit of an odd wrestlemania i feel in that i felt like the event was incredibly celebrity driven
0: yeah i i would like agree. they had
1: um, they had so I, many celebrities at this thing uh michaelis and uh Jonathan Taylor, Taylor Thomas and and Peppa and all of the football players that came out with um with Lawrence Taylor and it yeah. was just like and then these ladies, no I mean, no comment on these ladies. They're you know, but they're I mean, let's face it, they were eye candy for the event, right? Sure. But no, I mean, no comment on them being bad or anything like that. It was just it was just like that, they were trying something, you know, as far as you know, bringing in a lot of celebrities, maybe to draw an uh audience,
0: yeah, yeah, like mainstream um, attention. I mean, it, I, I think with where WWF was at at that point, um, in terms of its popularity, it had been somewhat waning. So, to try and get some mainstream attention, that that. You know, I I see the kind of the point of that, of them doing it, but it was so like heavily focused on it, and maybe not as much like the the wrestling. Uh, you know, with it, um, I thought the match though was was too bad. It was it was decent. Yeah, it was uh, all right. I <laughs> I couldn't help just uh, back on. Uh, like, I think it was Pamela Anderson and her getting in and then out of the ring and, like, the gown that she was wearing. I just sort of noted that I was, like, I, at a point, I was, like, oh, man, she's going to bite it, like, hard, like, trying to get out of the ring. Because, like, I think... It was, man, like,
1: incredibly tight, yeah?
0: Yeah, I think uh, Diesel was sort of, like, holding down, like, the second rope instead of her kind of going out under, like, the bottom rope um she had to like try to step over in this like very sleek gown she was wearing um and it seemed like it was incredibly difficult also with the heels that she had on (laughs) but she got got, like like,
1: she got in and out of the ring like at least a couple of times as opposed to jenny mccarthy which she only got in the ring at the end of the match
0: yeah yeah um Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that was uh, that was something. Oh, I also wanted to mention: uh, Shawn Michaels had Sid in his corner as well as like yep. his bodyguard. Yeah. Um, another thing I, I forgot about this until watching this match, uh, WrestleMania 11 also was the WrestleMania for the excessive amount of photographers around ringside. Hmm. Like, so much so that when the action did pour outside of the ring, there was no room for them to actually do what they needed to do on the outside of the ring. It was fucking ridiculous. Like, uh, and and Liz, I think, was watching this one for me, and she's like, did they just, like, put people out there as, like, fake photographers just to kind of make it seem more important? And I'm like, bingo. Because it's exactly what they fucking did. I mean, there was had to have been, like, 20 freaking photographers outside the ring for this freaking event. Yeah. And it was like, come on.
0: It seemed rather excessive, and maybe to, it, yeah, I, I don't disagree with that point. And uh, I
1: think the whole reason why they had so many people out there was just to coordinate the spot where Hebner got injured by, like, tripping over a photographer. Yeah. <laughs> All, all of that for, like, a payoff if for, like, a little tiny thing in one of the matches. Because, you, God, you couldn't come up with a better finish than that. So, instead, you have, like, freaking, like, a mob scene of photo- photographers. Uh, yes, I did a bunch years on an audio podcast. A mob scene of photographers uh, uh, around ring ringside. uh taking over the action of the what was supposed to be the focus was the match instead i'm going jesus christ how many guys are going to get in the way in this match uh that being said um yeah i mentioned the hubner getting injured but uh there there wasn't there was a spot that was uh supposed to be uh, like basically leading to the finish of this match and it was the turnbuckle pad get, gets exposed mm mm-hmm. mhm And the intent was that there was going to be a slingshot maneuver where I think Shawn Michaels, his head was supposed to hit the exposed turnbuckle. Instead, he fell short of actually hitting the exposed turnbuckle and instead hit like the next one down. Yeah. And almost didn't miss that one. Instead, almost hit the mat instead. And that, but it led like right to the finish. So it's like, oh, I think they kind of fucked that up. Like, he was so far away from it. There was no way in hell he was going to make it to actually hit it, you know?
0: Right, Uh, right.
1: Yeah, so kind of a little bit of a messy finish in this one.
0: Yeah, I remember Uh, about the finish as well. It was a little bit wonky, and then, like, yeah, there was the spot with the ref, and, like, Sid was in there. It was just, like, a lot of just, like, stuff kind of going on with it. Um, yeah. You know, I thought the, I mean, otherwise, some, some of the action was pretty uh, was pretty decent in it. Um, I thought, you know, Sean and uh, uh, Diesel uh, worked pretty decently together. Um, yeah. I mean, being more of a power guy, the other HBK a little bit more, you know, high-flying, kind of like that athletic type style. Um, so they, they, they gelled well with each other um i don't know where you have this one at uh i went with a six out of ten on it i'm close by to you i'm at a six and a half uh
1: the one thing the one other thing i was going to mention about this is after the match uh diesel brings in all of the stars to kind of like celebrate his victory uh with him not only uh pamela anderson and jenny mccarthy but he also brings in uh JTT and Nicholas Turturro. Right. And the thing I was going to mention about this is one could argue at this point that Kevin Nash might be the biggest star out of all of those people at this point
0: in, in oh. like his life. Oh, at this time. Yeah. I mean, Nicholas Turturro, I... I mean, the only, I mean, McCarthy and Anderson still are
1: somewhat known, but Kevin Nash has been in like a ton of movies and stuff. I mean,
0: yeah, McCarthy's on that, uh, that, uh, mass singer show, I think. Yeah. So, Uh, I mean,
1: borderline, you, you might argue that Kevin Nash is the bigger, the biggest of like star power of any of those people that were in the ring when they were celebrating.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, JTT has kind of, he's stepped away from acting. Uh,
1: oh God. He's fallen off the edge of the planet. I would say, I, I, I haven't even thought about him in years, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, think about JTT every time we watch Lion King.
1: Yeah.
0: Or, uh, reruns of home improvement, but. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, wow, that was pretty good. Yeah. Uh all right, WrestleMania 12. Um, so I mean the match everybody talks about for WrestleMania 12, obviously, is the Iron Man match, yeah. and that was the main event. So we couldn't do that one. So we picked out like one of the more other infamous matches of this event, which was well, uh, a match in name only. It was rowdy rowdy piper versus gold dust in the um in the backlot brawl. Yep. And you start, we start out this whole thing with um, Marlena sitting backstage at the arena, just kind of chilling out, watching stuff and maybe watching a TV monitor to see what's going to happen with the backlot brawl. Uh. So <laughs> I, I thought, for whatever reason, I thought the backlot segment was a lot longer than what it was, because it really wasn't too long. It was only a few minutes.
0: I remember this match fairly well, <laughs> so um, I knew what to what I was. I knew what I was getting into. Let's just well, I, I I don't know why, but
1: I thought it. I just thought it was longer.
0: Yeah. It's not a criticism.
1: It's just, a, I, I just thought it was lo- like a longer fight in the back lot. Yeah. But that being said, um, there's some issues uh, with the the back lot portion of this. Uh, the Piper wets down the entire area with like a fire hose. Which yeah. Is really... Really fucking odd to begin with. I didn't quite understand it why, but what it actually does is it just makes everything incredibly slippery.
0: Like yeah. these guys,
1: I mean, the entire fight, they're slip sliding around all over the place,
0: and it's kind of comical to watch in a way. I always wondered why he did that. Like <laughs> I've watched it, I watched this one like. I mean, more than more than just once. Anytime I like, maybe go back and I watch some Mania matches, kind of getting ready for that. You know, the upcoming WrestleMania. I'll usually go back and every now and then I'll, I'll watch the Backlot Brawl just because it's kind of just an interesting like piece. And it, it's that that is really a part of it that I've like gone back. I still don't know why he wet the area down. I'd be curious to kind of find out, or I, I didn't do any research about it, but, like, whose idea that was?
1: I mean, I think in some respects, maybe it was something that was used, like, in, like, gang fights or something like that to, like, maybe. I don't know. Maybe? I don't know, but, like, like a street fight, maybe? I I don't fucking know, but uh, the other thing that occurs is he, he attacks... Um, gold dust while he's still like gold dust arrives in this like gold Cadillac and Piper attacks him while he's still in the vehicle with like a baseball bat and breaks all the glass. And while doing so he manages to like cut his own hand like badly, yeah. like horribly, like yeah. where he's just leaving blood everywhere.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and I thought about this and it's interesting with how this is like shot too. Um, and I'm like, this is almost like a early. I mean, we wound up seeing a lot, especially in like the uh maybe the earliest or sort of like the 2020 period of the pandemic and whatnot. A lot of like cinematic matches. This almost seemed like it was like a early kind of uh uh, just the way the the way like especially this first portion was shot like almost like cinematic in a way um, oh yeah most
1: definitely yeah
0: but um yeah definitely that's a part Pete's that stands out uh when he takes the bat to the uh to the the wind or not the windshield the um well he does smash the windshield up, up a bit or kind of uh I I think uh at least hits it, it doesn't break the entire thing, but like the side window, the driver's side window, uh, yeah. gets smashed in.
1: I mean, they they fight about a bit. Uh, I think there's a crash services table involved, all sorts of things that you know involved in that. And then ultimately, Goldust gets away, uh, by uh, <laughs> after he, he hits him with the car, like while driving it, but then he gets away. And Piper jumps into a white Ford Bronco to chase after him.
0: (sighs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, and subsequent scenes of Piper chasing gold dust throughout the city are shown, uh, like on the broadcast and uh, I presume in the arena throughout most of the rest of the event of him chasing gold dust in the white Ford Bronco. Yeah. And they're using, they're not really filmed of Piper really driving the car. They're using, they're using footage news footage from when OJ Simpson was driving his (laughs) white Ford Bronco. Uh, through LA in the like slowest car chase ever right yeah and, and somewhere Vince
0: McMahon's like oh this will be some good shit let's use the OJ footage and it was funny because this was like what like a year or two like past that point yes. It was way after it. So it wasn't like like fresh or within like six months or a a month or two or even within like a year. It was like a couple of years have passed.
1: Oh, this (laughs) is really
0: topical. (laughs) It's just, yeah. It was just funny that they're like, oh, they're going there. Oh, Um, right
1: in LA. There's the 405. I think he headed to
0: Brentwood. <laughs> it's like one of the oddest like Vince McMahon impersonations I've heard. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, eh, kinda. <laughs> but well, and then they like come back, and then there's this part in the arena. And even the that, like that there's like this match. <laughs> That is then split into like two parts, because there was like stuff like in between that happened. There was another like match, right? That happened. Oh, several. Yeah, several that happened in between while the quote unquote chase was going on. Yeah, and then they come back, and it's like, oh, they're back. The 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 you know the the white Bronco and everything. They're they're back in the arena and then they come out to the ring and there's some more fighting brawling no referee mind you nothing there's like nothing necessarily going on with referee wise um i think a a point what like gold dust kissed piper or right maybe i don't know I even... think Pipe well i know piper kissed gold dust at a point um and then like at a at, like basically what denoted the end of the match was uh piper stripped gold dust down uh to like a um like lingerie, lingerie I mean... basically like i was trying to think of, like specifically what it was but like um yeah it, essentially the women's lingerie so, and that ended it. <laughs> Coldust takes off running from the ring and Piper is kind of celebrating his victory.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, just to give you a matter of perspective, right? The OJ Simpson car chase in the white Ford Bronco Happened in June of 1994. Okay. This event was like in 1996.
0: Yeah. So what, like March or April of 96? March 31st of 96. It was almost two years later. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And they're like lampooning
0: the fucking car chase from two almost two years ago. That, that thing. That's some good shit. And I mean, by that point, what, the trial was done? Uh, yeah, I believe so. So, <laughs> like, the whole OJ thing had been yeah. basically over, like, in a sense, over with. I <laughs> kind of ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um and
1: then I mean you top it off with the lingerie at the end of it, and you're just like, all right. That all being said, six out of ten. You
0: know what? I I, <laughs> I gave the same rating as I did the last one, six and a half. I don't know what it is. I I just find this thing entertaining. It it is just I you know and six and a half is sort of like an average score some people might look at this thing and be like dear god like two out of ten but right there's aspects of it that like the outside portion where they're brawling really is well done and it just seems like i don't know if like like the punches that they're landing just it, it seems like a, it's a it's a well-done brawl in that way like and and maybe in that sense like i said is this sort of a precursor for like you know we see like you know parking lot brawls and like cinematic matches and things like that and you could go back to something like this and say you know what this was sort of like there. There's some like roots to that kind of stuff in this match, but yeah, I. I mean, I was oddly like entertained, uh, and every time I watch uh, or go back to this mania, I, I. I do often take a look at this one just because it's uh It's kind of just that like entertaining piece. Yeah.
1: All right, so, so Wrestle, WrestleMania
0: 13. Yeah.
1: God, you want to talk about a difference going from the backlot brawl to this next match? Uh, we watched uh, Brett the Hitman Hart versus uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin in a I Quit match.
0: With uh, Ken Shamrock is uh, was he as a special enforcer guy. or uh, special maybe special guest referee? I don't know what the label was, but. Yeah, I mean, Wikipedia shows it a special guest referee. Yeah. Uh, Um, Oh, go ahead. uh,
1: No, I was I was gonna say uh, I really dug uh, the vignette that they they had before the match, kind of showing uh, the build up with Bret Hart and how he was changing, uh, leading into the match. Yeah, it it really worked well. It was it was a really good uh, video piece, kind of showing. Uh, like a transformation in Bret Hart at this point.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I like the, the how they you know did like the video package for this, and really, I mean this this point ninety seven being such a I think a pivotal year uh, for WWF, kind of based around what happened. You know, uh, again, Hall and Ash had left in ninety six, NWO WO had uh, started up. WCW was running hot, 97 rolling around, and you got like really, I mean, kind of a 96, but more so as we lead into 97 here and into WrestleMania, really the you know, Steve Austin taking off and getting that much more popular, and this match, and what it really did, I mean, for Brett or Bret Hart's career for steve austin's career uh was pretty monumental and i i really enjoy this one this one is just a treat to go back and watch yep Um, uh
1: i mean another thing that i really liked even pre-match was uh austin's entrance
0: with the glass breaking like an iconic
1: moment but yeah
0: it looks great yeah um I had the brawling out into the crowd. Uh, Yeah, Bret Hart. I'm not sure if this was the first one of the first times or early on where he was using the uh, the figure four around the post. Oh, Um, right. Yeah, yeah. But him doing that, just the I mean, the blood. I mean, so much. I you mentioned iconic shot. I mean, how about like Austin and the sharpshooter? With the blood the blood streaming down his face. I mean, if there ever there's a uh iconic picture of with Steve Austin and just I mean leading And WrestleMania. This is yeah, for mania and leading into what became like the Attitude Era, I think that's as much of like <laughs> there's an icon sort of like uh you know, big time uh you know uh shot of like hey um this is where they're kind of leading, but this, I thought, yeah, I thought this was fantastic. Um, yeah. obviously this one is known for a big, like, you know, they call it a double turn and it, it you know, Bret Hart became that much more of like, I think of a, a, a big heel. It was an interesting unique kind of heel turn in that, uh, he was, popular more so in like Canada and maybe some other areas and but uh getting booed like crazy like crazy heel heat uh in uh more so in the US and Austin kind of vice versa sort of like he's getting cheered more uh but still mm-hmm. sort of the anti-hero kind of in between kind of like tweener uh but definitely you know getting booed in Canada um so it was just an interesting dynamic and them shifting into more shades of gray and uh yeah, I mean a great, great feud and great match between them.
1: Yeah. Uh a couple other notes that I had. I mean you, you hit upon a lot of the stuff that I had notated, but uh the the Chicago crowd in for this uh match. Uh, played i felt like such an integral role in uh the match and then the heel the the double the double turn uh without a crowd like that i don't know how well it would work but they they were great um yeah for, for a wrestling crowd uh at this event i felt like it really worked well but yeah i mean you 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 touched on so much the I mean, the class, this classic scene of the blood streaming down Austin's face in the sharpshooter. And then he ultimately passes out from the pain. Uh, so he never really truly gives up. Um, and I wrote, Austin loses this match, but he, he won over the crowd with this match.
0: Yeah. And Jr. making that call, too. I mean, you know, drawing attention to that. He never passed, you know, he never gave up. Um I think how big of is that? So I mean JR being pivotal with like the presentation of that, I, I think was, was really big for uh you know where Austin was at and like that much more amplifying what had happened.
1: And then uh there also to kind of like hammer home the uh the the, the turn uh, the face off that uh Brett had with uh Shamrock after the match
0: I marked that down too I said good post match um with uh Brett and uh Brett attacking Austin and then like Shamrock kind of getting it, getting in his face too i, I thought that was well done uh, uh
1: the other thing I was gonna note one more thing was on the commentary you mentioned jr was uh McMahon on commentary on this one. I, I wonder how much of an acting job it was or how much it was steeped in reality. Was him not being happy with the blood because he, he kind of apologized for it. Oh, but I wonder, was it acting or was he truly not happy with the blood?
0: I, I got to wonder if at that point, I mean, if they were starting to steer towards more of where things would go Leading into that, like the Attitude Era in '97, like if they were sort of easing up on that, I I gotta wonder if like that was kind of like a, a little bit of acting.
1: Yeah, I yeah. I think so. Maybe a little bit. Uh that all being said, uh, like I mean, you said this match. I mean, absolutely a masterpiece in my mind. I went nine out of ten on this one.
0: I was right there with you, nine out of ten. All right. So WrestleMania 14, we
1: had uh Triple H versus Owen Hart. And this was um this match was for uh the European Championship. And uh there there were some things about this. Uh but before we get to the match, uh you had hit me to this thing and I hadn't realized it was oh. um the <laughs> DX band was uh, there live and they performed Triple H's entrance live. But not only that, they also did something that has never been included on any of the home releases of this event and hasn't been shown since. Uh, They did their version of America, the beautiful, which you can find really horrible copies of it on YouTube. Yeah. And if you want to see something gloriously bad, I highly recommend that you go and you seek it out. <laughs> Just look up uh, I think DX Band and start typing in America the beautiful and you'll find um what you're looking for or ultimately not looking for.
0: Um So you had had not seen this before? I wasn't aware of it, honestly. Did you and Liz
1: watch it? Uh, I think she maybe witnessed some of it and was just horrified.
0: (laughs) It's just, it's so just awful. Like, and the crowd... And mind you, I mean, they're in Boston. So this is like a, and I get it. That's a mania crowd and you're getting people, not just from that area, but I think like a good number of people probably from that, the Northeast Boston, maybe like New York, like Northeast States are just like tearing into this and like just booing the hell out of them. And I, rightfully so it's an awful performance uh, but just like worth it to like seek out if you've never seen it right yeah yeah uh so i mean the match itself uh there, there
1: there is a stipulation china is handcuffed to sergeant slaughter who at this point is a figurehead with wwf and it's to basically prevent her from interfering in the match. Well, I mean, best laid plans, uh, she still ends up interfering in the match. Yeah. Uh, there ends up being some powder thrown into Slaughter's face, which then leads to China delivering a low blow to Owen, uh, which ultimately leads to the win for Triple H. Mm hmm. Uh, I like the story of this match it, 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 they they incorporate all of that very nicely they they tell a very good story in you know a relatively short amount of time uh I mean this this got 11 and a half minutes and it, it was a decent match it was uh, I mean to be fair it was the third longest match on the card but it, it was it was all right there it wasn't bad it wasn't good it was just it, it was it was you know, it, yeah. it was so so I, I I didn't mind it. I liked the story. I gave it a 7 out of 10.
0: I thought there was um, some good, uh, I'm right near you. Yeah, I'm uh, at 7 and a quarter um, for this one. I thought there was solid work all around by both. I mean, it was, you know, Owen Hart, um, who, you, you know, um, can't say enough good things about Owen, um, and Triple H at this point um then it was really quite good as well uh there was good intensity to this i like the story leading in obviously some of this like um it played up like post the montreal screw job um so i think there was some good you know just like playing off like some good intensity with that i i mean uh, uh yeah a little bit with the screwy finish and whatnot but um I thought, yeah, I thought it was good overall too. And I mean, DX was pretty, you know, hugely over by this point uh, as well too. I kind of just noted that like crowd response and everything and something of like that tide kind of turning. Cause um, I mean, at this point DX was uh, like China and uh, Michaels and uh, Triple H. I'm not sure if like, I think Rick Rude had maybe already left. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he, he would have. Yeah, yeah, because he left uh, at the screw job and everything around, then. But right. uh, then it shifted that next night when Waltman came back and the outlaws. But like, just how hugely into the crowd they were. Um, you kind of you really hear it and see it at this point. So, yeah, but I agree with you. Kind of, it was it was good for what it was. Right.
1: Um. If I didn't say it already, I went 7 out of 10 on that one.
0: Yep, 7 and a quarter.
1: Uh, WrestleMania 15, we had uh, Kane versus Triple H. Uh, okay, so there was a little bit of an odd thing that happened at the uh, beginning of this match. Um, Pete Rose came out and attacked Kane. Yeah. And Pete Rose was dressed as the San Diego Chicken. Yeah which um, led
0: follow-up from the prior year of him attempting to attack Kane
1: yeah which kind of led to like a whole like deep dive into Liz and I looking at the history of the San
0: Diego chicken or you know what I don't think he attempted to attack Kane I think he was in uh wasn't like Pete Rose like uh insulting like the crowd and like some of that I think I think that's what the uh, situation was Oh, okay. At, at the prior year's mania, right?
1: So, gotcha. And,
0: and then he was getting revenge, or attempting to get revenge on Kane, uh, for uh the tombstone the prior year.
1: Um, I I liked, I liked the match to start, and then, uh, the DQ finish was I felt very odd and weird um i mean i get where they were going with the story but it was just it didn't feel like it was delivered properly
0: i was i mean all right with like the larger story i i kind of know it was just interesting to see like year to year where you know one mania to the next i mean you've got triple h kind of taking over dx and formulating like the like i just mentioned with uh you know, X Pac and the Outlaws and China kind of like this new version of the group and going from there and shifting from like more of a heelish group to like a, a fan favorite. So it was interesting. I mean all within this night um to have that kind of shift to like China turning on Kane to reunite with Triple H, but then later on in that night, like uh he turns on like Triple H turns then on uh X Pac and the rest of DX. So it's just it's it interesting with what they did. I I got what they were going for. I mean, I, I, I thought it was decent to kind of like uh bring things to kind of a close with the uh, DX. The match itself was all right. It was it was more of storyline. Kind of yeah. Uh, thing. Uh, yeah, me. I mean
1: looking at the match itself, I, I, I went only like six out of ten because I liked the start of the match, I just didn't really care for the finish.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I I could probably go six. I mean, I went six and a quarter, so again, we're right in the same same ballpark. Um a nice little appearance from the Mean Street Posse in this one, too.
1: Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. Uh so WrestleMania 16 or 2000 WrestleMania
0: 2000, you know, right?
1: Yeah. Uh we had the uh three-way ladder match um right between yep. Edge and Christian, the Dudley Boys and the Hardy Boys mm-hmm. uh for the WWF Tag Team Championship. Uh this match was just like a fucking car crash. I mean, there was
0: just so That's many That's exactly what? the wording that I have. <laughs> it's it's a just a brutal match. Yeah, I mean, it's just a brutal
1: match. I mean, it really is. These guys just These guys just kill each other, you know? And yeah. uh I mean, it has of course one of the most iconic moments in WrestleMania history. That I mean, we were talking earlier about like things that you like are indelible, like in your memory, and uh, Hardy jumping off at the top of the ladder through uh, Bubba uh-huh. Ray Dudley, yeah, through the table on the table. I mean that, yeah, yeah, right, right. Th- that that memory, that image is like just yeah, ingrained or like just like implanted into your memory, like you. You can see it like you describe it, and you can immediately see him doing it. You know,
0: you know what? I was thinking about this. I, I, it, and I know we were just kind of talking about this, but I mean, it, it's that there was this, you know, a very similar match the following year. Oh, yeah, uh, at 17. Is I think I might kind of like this, prefer this one more. Um, just because if you do recall, like that one at 17. There's involvement from uh, every every team. Kind of has somebody else that sort of like out there, or like gets involved on their behalf. So like I think uh, the Hardys have Lita, uh, the Dudleys mm-hmm. have Spike, I believe, and then like Edging Christian, I think, have Rhino getting involved. Right. Yeah. And like I, it's like with all the stu- other stuff going on. We didn't need like three more people getting involved in the match. I mean, it's still kind of one of those crazy, wild car crashes. But like, if I just look at this and what they were able to do in this match, I mean, this was like an, a, enough. Like, we didn't need like that added element to it. I again, like, I you know, I noted and like, um, and I think Edge has spoken about it. Uh, with how they kind of like, uh, place the table on top of the two ladders. Yeah. And I think like, uh, like Christian was like, basically like on it, on one knee, like, he's like, I do not want to fall off this thing. And it looked pretty, you know, pretty, uh, uh, maybe unsteady a little bit because I mean, they just basically got it like a table kind of like balanced on like two right. ladders right. and they're reaching up to get the, uh, the tight tag titles. And, and, you know, so that's, uh, that's an interesting ending, uh, there, but yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just, uh, a, a wild car crash of a match. I mean, there's some, you know, fun spots and, I, and, it, you know, I think the thing is, is like we see a lot of matches that are kind of like this, right? So we get money in the bank, we get, you know, um, you know, AEW recently had them. And it's like, you get so many like wild spots. And now, you know, with uh, both men and women and it's like, they could still be fun. Uh, But after seeing something like this, it starts to get to a place like, like my God, like what, you know, what else can they really do? Like it was both a fun watch, but it was also like, Man, uh, these guys—you know—probably in some respects shorten their careers a bit uh, and stuff like this. Um, yeah, I
1: mean, you you get a bit de- desensitized to it. I feel.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I I mean, you know, when you you kind of up the ante at like seventeen, which is kind of where I'm going. Where else do you go from here? So, I mean, while they can be fun to watch, it's kind of like, okay, what what else am I what, where else are they going? Um, yep. but yeah. Um, go on this one? I went seven and a half out of 10 on it. I went, I went eight, but I, okay. yeah, I kind of, with this, I I sort of like, I was like, well, it was, it was entertaining, but it was still one of those things of just kind of a wild, like car crash, spot fest sort of, sort of thing. So, I mean, yeah, I would probably maybe go in that in that range. It's interesting with like the next several matches. Just of note, that kind of starting right in and around with like this, like um, we we hit a string and we wound up picking a string of what I thought were really really good entertaining matches. I mean, for you know for me, so um, this will be interesting to see what you uh, what you rated things and what your thoughts were. Um, yeah. So, so Mania yeah, seventeen. So Mania seventeen. Then um, we've got uh, Kurt Angle versus uh, Chris Benoit. Yeah, yeah. This
1: was a good match. Um, I, I enjoyed this one. Uh, it was it was pretty quick, actually. Uh, but I mean, I love the grappling. I mm. love how they it just kept going back and forth between them. Yeah. It, it was it, yeah it was a really good like like technical style match to me
0: yeah I think like I had put like a solid technical match I, th- I had said that you know that um the one from uh Rumble 3 between these two might be that much even better uh, than this but I think it it was shorter than what I remembered it being um for this one. Mm-hmm. uh but they made the most out of the time that they were out there like it was just it was pretty constant and solid fluid work and uh just really fun to watch technical wrestling um you know a lot of great reversals, submissions um just really good good stuff all around i thought yeah um, And, I mean, you see, like, Kurt Angle that much more, and with his character kind of coming in uh, to his own, you know, I I thought, you know, both were really, really good. And, uh, yeah, it's even to this point, I mean, I don't, like, watch a ton of, you know, I mean, like, Chris Benoit matches still even now, like, uh, uh, but... You know, every now and then, I mean, you could, you know, kind of end up going back and catching some of the stuff that he was involved with and just, you know, how believable, hard hitting, how smooth and like, uh, you know, he was in ring and everything. And just like, uh, you know, I mean, there were those, you know, being able to pick out from watching like his wrestling matches, um, just you know how how good he was and crisp, um, uh, but yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. the one
1: thing, the one, the other m- remark I made about this was that, like, the I think the finish came like really quick and out of nowhere. Yeah, like it, it was really like just like surprising, like a shocking finish. It was good though. It was a good. It was a good match. I, I enjoyed it. I uh, I gave it a seven out of
0: ten. I was a bit higher. I was uh, at like an eight. Okay. So then for WrestleMania 18, um, Mm -hmm. we went with, uh, the undertaker versus, uh, Ric Flair. Yeah. Um, And this one, I enjoyed like the, kind of the, the, the vignette, the lead in package and everything. And taker had been kind of, uh, antagonizing flair for a bit. And, uh, you know, attacked Arne Anderson, attacked David Flair. So, you know, Flair agrees to this match. Um, and I mean, it's a, it's a no DQ match. And what we get is a, you know, just a, you know, basically a brawl between them uh, for, you know, much, much of it. And um, I, I enjoy it. I mean, obviously I'm a big Ric Flair fan, um But I, I liked what they did here, you know, and Flair at this, at the stage of things. I mean, I thought he looked pretty good. I mean, him kind of coming back and later in 01, I mean, he hadn't really wrestled a whole, a whole lot. So it was kind of, it was fun to see him uh, back at Mania. And it, it was one of those things like I, you know, wouldn't necessarily and didn't necessarily think he would win. I kind of had it in my notes, you know, it's like sort of obvious, like Flair wasn't going to come out of it winning, but it was still just kind of fun to see him. Um, sure. Get some stuff and, and seeing this version of Undertaker too, like a very like heelish yeah. b- and like, really like selling a lot you know the offense the way that he did you know when he would get like uh a low blow or um you know when he got low blowed or he got you know um hit with chops and things like that and to hear undertaker kind of like screaming or shouting in a way it's it's just interesting to see him like um play this more like like human kind of like uh, character, if you will. One of the other things that I put on here uh, that always, it always just gets a big pop out of me is at a point in the match, like uh, uh, Arn Anderson comes out and Flair goes for like a chop, Taker ducks it. And then Arn Anderson nails Taker with the spine buster. Yep. Yep, like that was I, that was
1: one of the moments I remarked on. Yeah.
0: Always, always, every single time I watch this match. Like I know it's coming, but every single time I, I basically I mark out for it. Um, one of the things
1: I was gonna uh, note, I mean you haven't hadn't really mentioned it, but like uh this was uh Blaker Taker at this point, yeah, yep. And uh so he came out uh with limp biscuit, yep, and uh Liz commented about this. The size of the motorcycle he was on was incredibly small. <laughs> like hmm. she made a note about that. Like she's like that bike like just looks so tiny like with him on it.
0: I uh, wonder like what kind of is it just that he's a large guy could or be. is it like that much like significantly smaller of a bike?
1: I'm not sure. But um yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just kind of like one of those things. Like, But that notwithstanding, I mean, yeah, like what you were saying, this, this is a great match. A lot of color. Both guys mm-hmm. uh, get some color in this match. Um, yeah,
0: I mentioned the uh, classic bleeding uh, on Flair's forehead. Yeah. Oh, with the hair. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, thinking
1: about like how you were saying like how good he looked this was like one of the last times I felt like Flair kind of looked like um, the youthful Ric Flair in a match.
0: In a way, yeah, because I mean, at point in and around like I think as we got into two thousand three, it seemed like I it was weird. Like he started to, like wet his hair. Um. Mm-hmm. And he looked a lot different uh, at that point. And somehow, like, at this point, like, one and, like, 2 like, the match that he had against, like, uh, uh, at uh, Rumble 0-2 against McMahon and then this WrestleMania, he kind of, like, he still looked like, you know, kind of like Ric Flair from, like, the last I remember to, like, WCW and all of that. Um, or maybe a little bit, but like before, uh, beforehand, uh, before the end of WCW, yeah, like after that point, like 3 three-ish, and as we kind of got oh four, oh five, or or and on, like he he looked a bit like even just facially older, and I don't know if it was something <laughs> like, like the hair thing was weird to me, maybe because you kind of uh, like, expect Ric Flair with like this big like poofy kind of.
1: Like mane
0: of hair, mane of hair, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so the other thing, and I I don't know this for certain, but this match was this like the first instance that they actually mentioned the streak. Um, They really made a big deal out of Taker being ten and zero.
0: I think that they had mentioned it before. I feel like actually, like they didn't actually, I think, use the term, the streak before, but they did mention it. I feel like it was like one, like against, like when he faced um, Bundy, like there was reference to like, oh, and Undertaker's never been beaten at WrestleMania, but they didn't actually Mm -hmm. like, hype it as like the streak they didn't say like yeah he's got a streak uh going it may have been because it was like 10 so like 10 you know 10's a nice you know round even number. number and you know so i mean they may have like started at this point of like you know maybe we've got something um more and i think as years went on that became more of a, like a focal point uh, with it. But yeah, yeah. I'd be curious if they did say anything like, in like because like Mania 17, I know he faced uh, Triple H. I don't think he was at Mania 2000. I think he was out with injury. And then like 99, he was like, what, boss man in the Hell in a Cell. So I'd be curious to see if there was like, anything that was like um, reference to like the actual, like the streak um, uh, before this point.
1: But uh, that being said, I mean, we got to keep going on this. I went eight and a half out of 10
0: on this one. Yeah, I was actually, I was at eight and a quarter. Okay. So right, right. Kind of in that same range.
1: All right, the next one. This this may have been like one of my uh favorite matches uh that we did of this section of the rewatch. Uh WrestleMania 19. Uh The Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels makes his return to WrestleMania and he's facing uh Chris Jericho. Yeah. Um they had a really good build to this match. Like the mm-hmm. the vignette that they showed like prior to the match it was great. Uh I felt that these guys just built like such a great story in this match. Like uh, just building on what they showed in the vignette and then bringing it across to the match itself. It was, it was so well done.
0: Yeah. Uh, I agree. Um, Yeah. I, I thought like the buildup was really good. I mean, I remember I made the notes of like, yeah, I remember like, Christian I think dressing up as Jericho at the rumble and kind of coming out to the entrance and then Jericho kind of attacked Michaels from behind but um, that was I thought really creative um mm-hmm. so I, I really I really like this match and um I I, I feel like uh, other matches that they had I mean these guys worked so well together um Like even if Mm -hmm. uh, going into like 2008-ish, I think, uh, when Jericho turned heel uh, again, um, that uh, they worked so well against each other, uh, you know, at that point. And then like, I mean, looking at this too, um, this was just a lot of fun to watch. Um, Oh, good. Jericho doing some of like um, Michael's moves. You know, and kind of some of his mannerisms, too. I thought that was great as well.
1: Yeah. Um, Jericho's, like, antics, like, like really healing it up, um, played uh, off so well, and, like, getting those reactions from the fans. I thought it was just... He was great in this match uh, doing that. Like, yeah. he just... He worked the crowd so well in this match. I mean... I I wrote down a note of – I think they may have almost hit, like, a record for the number of near falls in a match because it felt like there were so many near falls. Yeah. There's a a counter uh, from when uh, I think uh, Michaels attempted a Hirakarana and and, uh, Jericho countered it into the walls of Jericho. And I thought, I, I mean, just the, 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 um, the flow from the attempt to the the walls of Jericho, it, it looked really cool. It was like such, like great, like fluid mo- uh, movement between these guys. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, And then, I mean, the finish itself was great because you weren't really expecting it at that point. Like it was like a, just like a quick roll up out of nowhere. Yeah. And I thought it worked well. I thought, I thought that it just, it fit, it fit the match. It fit the vibe of the match. These guys just went at it and put, put on a masterclass. I mean, just unbelievable.
0: And I thought, and sometimes people criticize the use of roll-ups and whatnot um, in WWE these days, uh, but I thought, I agree with you. I think it worked here. And it just went, like, back and forth. Like, this could have, that told me, like, this could have gone either way. I thought Michaels looked great here. I mean, coming back, I think about, like, this was his first Mania back um, since uh, 1998 you know, he's coming back to this one and how he had come back and like looking just great from like that, you know, that comeback against triple H at SummerSlam to like, kind of like building up to, to here. Um, I just amazing. Um, and like this was sort of like that start of like that, uh, you know, second part of his career where, I mean, he was just knocking it out of the park every year at Mania. Um, So it was just, it was great to watch him at this, at this point. Um, I absolutely agree. So yeah, a real fun one to watch.
1: Yep. I went uh, nine out of 10 on this one.
0: I was uh, right at uh, (laughs) eight and three quarters. So Ah, we've
1: been right in line all night. I think with these.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, okay, so WrestleMania 20. We're in the home stretch, Sean. Yep. Uh, we had uh Eddie Guerrero uh versus uh Kurt Angle. I like the build to this match. Yeah. Uh, uh the the vignette for this is great. Uh the the fact that Kurt Angle is morally opposed to Eddie Guerrero being the champion. It's just, it's funny. I mean, it builds into, like, uh, you know, Angle's uh, heelish character, like how he, you know, he's got, like, this, like, the integrity and the three eyes and all of this stuff, right? And, you know, that he, he, he he's opposed to what Eddie represents as a champion, and, you know, he doesn't stand for that. And it was great. It, it, it was such a good build for this match. Oh, I lost you again, huh? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so what I was saying, um, I'll reset a little bit. Uh, I I liked I liked how they built this matchup, with the fact that like, Angle was like really morally opposed to Eddie Guerrero being the champion, like he didn't he didn't like the means of Eddie and like how how what how he would act and uh, how he would win matches and that you know he would. Uh, lie, cheat, and steal, you know, that whole thing. And, and that, you know, uh, Kurt Angle was uh, like built like from like a, had more moral fiber, you know. And, and I, I thought that they built this match great between, between these two guys just based on their characters and whatnot and how they, how they kind of developed that.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, some of like the, um, the, the, footage and uh the the, building up the like the vignette the the hype package for it um like uh angle like almost like kind of looking at points like just like almost psychotic like he's just like very intensely uh Mm -hmm. like yeah just that bit like that i know one of the you know the three eyes you mentioned that intensity but like i mean he played that off so well and again, I mean, just speaking to like where Kurt Angle was and just, uh, I mean, the development of who he, uh, who he was and like, uh, you know, at this, uh, um, at this stage, I mean, he was just so, so good, you know, at this stage of, in his career. Um, mm-hmm. and of course, Eddie Guerrero, I mean, uh, you know, can't, you know, again, can't say enough good things around, uh, Eddie Guerrero how much the fans just loved Eddie and I mean, he was just like full of charisma and, you know, the lie, cheat and steal thing. And, uh, I mean, his big win over Lesnar winning that title, you know, I think that like, it was like no way out. I think was the pay-per-view you had like both of these guys that could just really, really go. You know, I mean, even apart like apart from like the, the build up uh, hype package, I thought it was a really good back and forth match between them. I I enjoyed uh uh the ending. Um I thought, you know, it was kind of creative. It brought in like the uh the lie, cheat and steal thing of, you know, like uh you know, Eddie like uh um, unlacing his boot a bit. And you know, kind of uh find you know, finding a way to kind of uh uh get the victory um against Angle and maybe in a way sort of outsmart him a bit. Yeah,
1: I, I really dug that. I, I felt like it was um it played so well to like uh the technical prowess of Kurt versus like the just like the ability of Eddie. Mm-hmm. like just as like a, a pro- professional wrestler like how good Kurt Angle was or was is as a like like technical wrestler and then all of the like the pro wrestling that Eddie brought to the table they they definitely worked like a nice balance between them and it mm-hmm. it, it 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 paid off i felt like in a great match and then like what you said the finish was just great like how they played that out how they played it into the storyline it worked really well it it's it, it, it's the perfect way to build a match based on the story that you built um so that being said I went eight and a half out of ten on that one
0: I was nearby the yeah, I got uh eight
1: okay um okay so WrestleMania 21. Uh, we went with the money in the bank, uh, ladder match. Uh, this was significant. This was the first money in the bank, uh, match, uh, to have occurred, uh, like ever. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of history that can be said about this match and like the development of of it all. And, you know, Chris Jericho was said to have a hand in it, um, in developing it, but, um, The Not only was he involved, but you also had Edge, Chris Benoit, Christian, who was accompanied by Tyson Tomko, Kane, and Shelton Benjamin. Right. Which, uh, just an aside, I mentioned Tomko. uh, So uh, I was like, man, whatever the hell happened to that guy? So, of course, I did a little bit of a Wikipedia dive into Tyson Tomko, uh, which, you know, finding out that he retired and everything.
0: He wound up in TNA with uh, Christian, right? When uh... yes,
1: yeah, he did. And then ultimately, he retired. Uh, I think maybe about ten to twelve years ago or so. Uh, okay. Um, I gotta say, I think, in my opinion, that this initial lineup for this like Money in the Bank was probably one of the best Money in the Bank lineups ever.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I I uh, in my notes for it, I I noted that it was like a real good mix of guys. I mean, in here, I think like you had like a perfect mix with like with, with just I mean, you, you had technical guys. You had like high flying. You had uh, you know power. You know, big like cane. I mean, you just yeah. had like, it. Kind of just like ran the gamut of like who you had in this and represented like different, um, you know, different types of wrestlers. And I thought it just played well into all their strengths. Oh, absolutely. Who's going to win this? Like, you know, how is somebody going to get, you know, uh, uh, like how destructive is Kane going to be and how, you know, uh, um, you know, crazy with like their history with ladder matches, you know, edging Christian, like, Um, and Jericho for that matter. Like, so there was just, I, I I agree with you. It was probably one of the strongest fields that we'd Mm -hmm. see for, um, uh, you know, within WWE, like a money in the bank match. Um, and it was fun to watch this one because it was like, again, it was the first, Mm -hmm. um, I feel like there was some good, like innovative spots, uh, in this. Um, I, I got to
1: say, I mean, it wasn't a spot, but I think one of the coolest things was actually Kane's entrance. Yeah. Like when he came out and all the ladders on the stage were like on fire, it looked freaking awesome.
0: Yeah. That, that was really cool. And then, uh,
1: I mean, when you get into the match, of course, uh, I mean, you, you you're talking spots. I mean, what was more, uh, like memorable
0: than um uh Shelton Benjamin's run up the ladder well I was gonna mention that one um yeah yeah that, well I
1: mean I was kind of playing off of you like I figured that's where you're headed it,
0: yeah I um, mean were there
1: other ones that came to mind that you that you thought of
0: no I thought um I mean again Shelton though was always like kind of like a rock star with these uh kinds of matches I know he did like a big like uh like flipping dive to the outside uh, during this. Um, yeah, it, it was just, again, just like a big like car crash uh, type of match, but a lot of fun. Uh, yeah,
1: um, I, I did cringe at one point watching Chris Benoit do like the headbutt off the top of the ladder.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I
1: mean, a lot can be said about head injuries and stuff like that, and that was one instance when I'm watching this, and it just kind of took me out. For, of the match for a minute. And I just went, Ooh, good.
2: Yeah.
1: Knowing like what came after, you know, years after you just kind of look at things like that and go, yeah, that probably was one of those moments, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I also thought the, I actually remembered the finish of this match, believe it or not. Like uh, when I'm watching, I'm going, okay, here comes edge with the chair. Uh, you know, like I remember it and, yeah. It it, it it led it's amazing what this match led to as far as edge goes yeah wh- I where it took his career this.
0: yeah um i i think we both probably went the same direction i made some notes of just like um this was like a real point where like the money in the bank was like uh like really used as like a launching point um oh yeah absolutely for someone's career and in this case with edge um like how big he got from here from this moment um and when he would do and i mean he held it for a while and then he cashed in um that following i think that following january uh in 06 on on cena um And just like, again, it like just propelled him. Um, So Mm -hmm. it was cool to see that like, you know, at points now it's like kind of like maybe a little bit more of a prop and sometimes maybe they, you know, it's, it's good and it helps, but then other points people have gotten the money in the bank and kind of like not much is really done with it. Um, This was definitely, and maybe because it was the first time. Um, it was maybe still arguably one of the, one of the best, uh, uses of it. And, um, and and where it really like, uh, helped along also along with not just in this match, but also like what they were doing with edge prior to and what they continued to do with him, like ongoing through the rest of this year or that year rather. Uh, the rest of 2005 into 2006. Yeah. Um, they really, really did a nice job with him. Yeah, um, I
1: mean, I, I think the only bigger Money in the Bank uh, win was clearly uh, Otis's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. No. All right. All right, WrestleMania 22. Speaking What's of Edge. One? Oh, I gave it a seven and a half out of ten. I gave it an eight. Again, we're, I mean, we're, we've been almost like within half a point of each other this entire evening. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So WrestleMania 22, though, we had uh, the aforementioned Edge versus Mick Foley. Yeah. Which, uh, this match was kind of interesting in that it really was kind of like the uh, send-off match to kind of like a retirement match for Foley, giving him the proper send off I think that he deserved. Yeah. I like the I like the build that they they showed for this, like how fully cost edged the title. Yeah. And cost, you know, again in those bunny years that you're not seeing, you know, the, the the vignettes leading up to the match. And then <laughs> so they come back to ringside and sitting at ringside is none other than Joey Styles, who's about to lose his WrestleMania virginity
0: with this match. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Inappropriate to have him calling uh, calling this. Yeah, just the wording was a bit.
1: Uh, right. Um, okay. So some notes that I had about this about this match. Um, Edge looked so intense as he was waiting for Foley to get into the ring. Like he looked like just amped to the gills for this match, which was yeah. great. I mean, he had a great look about him for this and it yeah. was perfect. It worked well. I wasn't complaining about it. I wasn't like mocking it. I was saying it, it it just, it looked right for the match and for the, what the match meant to him.
0: I bet he was probably, I mean, for one pretty excited, To have like a match, uh, you know, at this level with like, with Mick Foley. Sure. Um, And I also got to think too, I mean, for, you know, maybe going into this type of match and maybe knowing of some of the stuff that they were going to do, that you've almost kind of got to get like hyped up like that, right? Like you got to, you know, almost like maybe psych yourself up. And maybe that's where he was at with it. Like, there was some, like, that intensity that we were seeing was not just, like, you know, him as, as like, doing his character sort of work, but a really, like, no, we were seeing him very, like, jacked up about this, about right. what he was about to do.
1: And there were so many, like, really memorable spots in this match, too, like the... um when Edge attempts to spear and mm-hmm. Foley's got the barbed wire under his shirt. Yeah. Uh, yep. I mean, that, that was great. That was well-conceived, I felt. Uh, there's a spot where uh, Foley does the uh, classic clothesline over the top rope. But when he's doing it, he actually has Lita on his back.
0: Yeah, I noted that as well. And I I thought, man, like the thing I couldn't help but think is, man, how like horribly awry this could have gone. Oh, absolutely. Like just with how she spilled off off his back and everything. um, Like that could have just gone so badly. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it was just, yeah, I mean, obviously she's, you know, conscientious around like, Um, you know, maybe how she's landing and everything, um, to, you know, to kind of keep track of that, but just the way it looked, uh, it was, it was, it looked somewhat, not like completely like it was ugly, but it was like, uh, it was like, man, that is quite the spill that they, uh, that they took over the top rope.
1: Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, the whole match, there's just tons of brutal bumps. Um, yeah,
0: I like the, um, the Barb Wire around Socko, like the Man of yeah. the Claw with it, and uh, I mean, he even got it on uh, Lita. Yeah, um, and
1: then the, the image of her sitting, uh, like, against the ringside barrier with kind of, like, the blood on her lip, it looks great.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, she played like such a big role in this match, too. Like, uh, not take it away from her whatsoever. Like, uh, she, she was a, and she was a big part of like the presentation of Edge at this time.
1: Oh, definitely.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I always have a fun time watching this one. Um, yeah, there, I, there's I, actually I, a
1: great, um, like documentary type thing that they have on the, uh, the WWE Network Peacock thing about this specific match, and then mm. talking about it. If you haven't watched it, I I do highly recommend that you go and check it out. It, it's it's so well done. It's such a great dissection of this match and like a discussion from the people involved in it. it. It it's just it's it's good. It is really good. If WWE does one thing right with like stuff on the network, that's it really. Is like getting in depth on some of these like historical matches. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, I mean, with the lighter fluid and everything uh, where fully gets doused on with the lighter fluid and then um, the tables and everything. uh, I I feel like the signature spot of this match is that flaming table. Obviously, it's what closes the match out. I mean, and you do get a few other things like you do get the thumb tax and all of that stuff, but really the signature of this uh match is that flaming table spot and it's just you can you can picture it in your in your mind's eye. Like you just think you close your eyes and you think about that spot and you see it. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to say Lita went like fucking hog wild with that freaking lighter fluid.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, she added on to what Foley had already sprayed on there. (laughs) Yeah. And there was already a good amount on there. And then she just continued to douse it. Yeah, Um, I think
1: I even remember her saying something about like uh, on that documentary thing about like that she was relieved that she was actually able to get the lighter to work.
0: I couldn't imagine like if maybe they had I wonder if they maybe had like an extra one stash somewhere. Like in case awesome. of one, one didn't work, um, but like one of the things with like the spear out that I uh, out the ring, so like Edge is running to do the spear through the ropes and uh, through the table mm-hmm. is like just where this could have gone so like terribly awry. Like I noticed, I mean Edge is a tall guy, and I noticed like his somewhat his feet, like, clip the, um, the rope, Mm -hmm. like, as he's doing the spear, and I'm like, man, like, what if, like, I mean, he didn't, like, fully get, like, out of the, you know, out of the ring through the ropes, Uh and, like, almost, like, tripped up or something, like, just thinking of how badly things could have gone. Sure, um, sure. I mean, thankfully they didn't. Uh, but what I mean, what an incredible ending, though. Yeah. It's yeah.
1: Um, I went eight out of ten on that match. Um, oh, one thing about the ending if uh, when um uh edge is walking back up the ramp, you may yeah. notice him checking out his singed arm hair.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I've I went uh eight and a quarter.
1: Okay. Again, I mean we're right there, Sean. Uh, I mean,
0: yeah.
1: we're we're in we're in close agreement with a lot of these matches tonight i feel yeah all right so wrestlemania 23 we get uh a return to this uh list of matches that we watched we get the undertaker back for another appearance yeah and he is facing off at wrestlemania 23 this is from detroit michigan he faces off against uh batista and yeah. uh, this is actually our first WrestleMania that we went to and saw live. Yeah. And this, this, this was okay. Um, I, the match was all right. Um One of the things I, I mentioned in like my, uh my notes was, I was a little surprised and I don't remember this of Teddy long doing the ring announcing for the match.
0: Yeah. I, I thought like I wondered about that and I was like, could have really had somebody like better um and i i don't i don't hate i i like teddy long but it's just like his delivery um on some of it was just weird i i kind of wondered why (laughs) teddy was doing the ring announcing for this yeah i i like this one though um i remember like as we were kind of like leading up because i mean like you said this was our first Mania we saw live, and I remember kind of like thinking, like uh, on paper, I was like, "Man, Taker Batista, like this could be kind of like not good." Like <laughs> just in my mindset, like I, I thought, like, okay, this this might not be like all that all that good. Uh, well,
1: I, I'm also, I think, I'm taking this from like the perspective of like the matches I had previously watched like in this in this project that we're doing this year like yeah. some of those matches that I had watched like the last like probably six or seven matches are like some of the most memorable matches of all time so it's kind of tough to what like put this one on and go okay where do, how does this compare to Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho I
0: I could see that I mean the thing though with it is, I mean, I I felt like the exceeded expectations, and I mean, I'd venture to say this match for me almost stole the stole the show. I mean, I'm, I didn't
1: give it a bad rating. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but I didn't give it like a a high rating like I did some of the other ones. But um, before before we get like a little bit in more into the match, I did want to mention something that, that I was happy to see that uh, is no longer. Around was the big gold belt. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's good to see that. I was like, oh, it's the big gold belt. I miss the big gold belt. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that this match. Um, I felt like uh there, there were some great moments. Like the power slam through the announce table looked great. Um I felt the crowd was huge into this match, like they were really vested, like and it was good. It was it, the crowd was great. And I'm not just saying that because we were in the crowd.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, no. I mean, watching it, I mean, they were they were hyped up. Um, I mean, in particular for Taker. Mm-hmm. Um, I really felt like too. I mean, this match included. But, you know, it, and I know, I mean, we've said good things about, like, the, the casket match from the prior year and him versus Orton. But I really feel like from like 23 on through like probably like 29 against Punk, like Taker just had like this series of Mania matches that, I mean, for my money, either were like match of the night or close to it or, sure. you know, just one year after another. Um, just very memorable. Um, but yeah, I. I thought that these two and in subsequent matches that they had, it was just so strange. Cause like, I didn't think of it like, you know, these two big, bigger dudes, like just having such great chemistry with each other. Um, yeah. You
1: know, yeah. I mean, you look at the rest of this card and it's like, it's a little rough.
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember Cena and Michael's being really great. Um, yeah. Yeah they had a really good match uh but some of the rest of it a little bit kind of uh on the weaker side
1: yeah i mean obviously the money in the bank was probably decent enough
0: yeah oh yeah i mean i remember that being a really good money in the bank um yeah so i mean these were we probably just named off like the top three matches on the card
1: pretty Uh, much
0: yeah yeah
1: all right well that being said, I went I went seven and a half out of ten on this one.
0: I was a little bit higher. I mean, probably uh with my response. Uh I gave it an eight and a quarter.
1: Okay. That might be the biggest gap we've had tonight as far as ratings yeah. go. I just All
0: thought, right. yeah, like to well, me, I mean it 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 was it was really good and it was it was what it needed to be. It wasn't overly long, but it was like uh I, I thought a, a, a really solid uh, uh, match from these two. Um, yeah. So then we uh, go uh, to Mania 24. Yeah. For... And <laughs> I, I think
1: this match might yield the most comments um, from us. Um, it, we're, we're, I don't think we could have done another match but this one. Yeah. Um, So, we we chose uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair versus the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels. Yeah. And I hadn't watched this match in a while, but, man, watching it, it just brings back so many memories. Uh, It just – and I remember this. I remember we went to this event, too, and the the line that I wrote here about this is this this match – this weekend yielded probably the greatest moment we've ever experienced live at a wrestling event. <laughs> and I'm saying that all encompassing from the hall of fame, yeah. to the match itself, it was probably the greatest moment I've experienced at a wrestling event.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah, for I agree for me too, but uh yeah, continue on. I mean, what a uh
1: Yeah, I mean the, the, to get into it a little bit if you're not familiar, this is uh the career-threatening match where if Ric Flair lost any matches, he would be forced to retire. And it essentially it, it started out McMahon made that um Vince McMahon made that uh declaration And then um, it built to this WrestleMania match where Shawn Michaels came out to announce that Ric Flair was going to get inducted into the Hall of Fame, even though he was still active. And then it led to this like showdown between them and um, Flair convincing Michaels to basically face off against him. Yeah. And the build was great. Yeah. you kind of always had that not like knowledge. You knew where this was going to head, but you know, just based on things that you were hearing and whatnot, you know, right. uh, that being said, I, I mean, this was a great match. There were so many great moments in it. Uh, I, 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 I love this. I love this match. I loved uh, some of the, the the emotion um, mm-hmm. on both of their faces like there was a, a moment where uh, Shawn Michaels was going to do the sweet chin music and he he hesitates and yeah. then Rick Flair uh, I think takes him takes him down and puts him in the figure four at one point
0: yeah that was fantastic I love that moment
1: yeah and then of course the finish is the incredibly conflicted Shawn Michaels uh, standing in the corner and uh, the great warrior Flair stands up and he puts his hands up and Shawn Michaels does the I'm sorry I love you and then delivers the uh, fatal blow for Ric Flair's career and uh, his or his in-ring career uh, and uh, yeah i mean it's just it was it was amazing to be there it was an amazing to see the hall of fame induction i include in that moment because it was just it was amazing to be a part of yeah um yeah like i said i mean just one of the one of, the most amazing moment that i've been a part of as a wrestling fan yeah live. um
0: I would, I would agree. I mean, uh, you know, for me, I mean, uh, I mean, Rick Flair is my favorite all time wrestler. So like, uh, to be here for, to be there for it was, uh, you know, something, uh, just really crazy for me. Um, and, you know, and I don't think we had ever, I don't recall that we had ever really gone to see like, you know, uh, a, a Nitro or anything with you know with him or a, or an event where he was wrestling. I
1: I I had been to I had been to at least one Nitro. Yeah, like, um, like I remember uh, it was a Nitro where I think Piper defeated Bret Hart for the U.S. title.
0: Okay, in in Buffalo.
1: But, but like I, I can't recall if Flair was on the card or not, but I remember yeah. going to a nitro.
0: <laughs> but like I I just I I loved being able to go and see him at this level. I mean, like not in the you know, like prime of his career, but for this match, I mean, and the performance that was put on and I mean Flair will say like that, yeah, you know, Michael's carried him through it, and um, you know, and that may be the case athletically, but like I think for the emotion for it, the storytelling, the suspension of disbelief, the, the idea that, like, hey, maybe Flair could come out of this. I remember us mm-hmm. talking about that, and even that, like, it sort of suspended that mm-hmm. for me. Of, like, you know, maybe Flair's gonna win this at points. Um, it both did such a really good job. I mean, Michaels, you know, just took some crazy risks. I mean, they, the uh, the back like the moonsault off the middle rope and then hit the table, and it was just like right on his ribs. I mean, he, they did a great job with that, of like then Flair focusing in on like his his midsection and like his back and everything. Um, I thought that was so well done. Uh, yeah. Like you mentioned the hesitation part of it, uh, and flair putting on the figure four. Um, you got to see like some things that flair normally would do that might like fire, you know, uh, backfire on him, like go into the top rope and flair hits a cross body block. Um, Flair, uh, I think, slamming uh, Michaels off the top rope at a point. Um, it, 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 and you got to see some classic Flair. I mean, Flair always had like a really good vertical suplex. And to see like the crowd pop for a vertical suplex.
1: Oh, there! another moment that it was kind of like opposite world. Flair went to the top rope and rather than get thrown off the top rope, he did a crossbody.
0: I just said oh. that.
1: Oh no, I thought you said where where he threw Shawn Michaels off of the top. No, I said both. I oh, said you that... said both? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I thought you said the first one. <laughs> I thought I totally thought you said the first one. I'm sorry. I, I spaced on that because I, I thought you said the first one. I was like, well, what about, wait, what about the other one? I, I'm sorry. I was so amped to go, wait, what about that one though? And I, yeah, I no, I no, no. I part of
0: it. <laughs> Um, but uh, I'm just trying to think where I where I was. Okay. So again, how about when um?
1: How about when Flair did the cross body off of the top rope? <laughs> that was awesome.
0: Yeah, I was saying the uh, you know, even him hitting like a vertical suplex, like the, you know, the and the crowd like is loving that, and it just says to me like, you know, like like kind of um like crowd response to something simple, uh, like even just more recent, uh, like CM Punk doing like a body slam. We've seen like some, you know, crowd popping for that. And that just says to me, like, you don't need a lot of like, you know, bells and whistles for the crowd to respond to, um, you know, a wrestling match. You need people invested. You need the people to be grabbed on and, and held and taken on like a, a, a ride through this. Sure. And, and, and that is a perfect example of it. And both Michaels and Flair did that. Um, it just, and it felt like a big deal. I mean, and Flair comes out in this phenomenal looking robe and like, it's just like this big grand entrance. Um but every everything about this i think is spectacular and and i agree the weekend the hall of fame the match itself the that night and then the uh, even though we didn't go uh which is sort of one of my like uh things that i'm like man i wish we were there for it but uh the raw the next night um i thought it was all like it was it was awesome like it was just awesome to uh see all of that um and, and, to and really the really crossbody like,
1: block off the top rope
0: yeah yeah mm-hmm. the crossbody block off the top um, uh but just to see that from like you know uh to feel like like you know what i got to see like my favorite wrestler in like a real memorable match and regardless of where kind of things wound up going with like you know, he did some stuff after TNA and I think in Australia and whatnot, like it's still, for me, it, this still holds like up as like, you know, a, a big, big moment. And I think that this match is, you know, is great in watching, you know, and watching this.
1: I, I'm going to say, I truly believe it. I consider it his last match.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, um
1: The the other thing I was gonna say was, um, of course, uh, we 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 haven't referenced it yet, but uh, the theme song for the Ric Flair retirement, uh, uh, I don't know what the fuck you would call the whole the whole theme of uh, theme song was uh, leave the memories alone. Yeah, uh, which oh my god, fuel. Yeah, it was uh, Fuel. Yeah. Because they played the fuck out of the song, and it was just crazy.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, like, I mean, they hammered that home, especially on the Raw the next, the following night, like, during the celebration at the end of the show. Yeah. um, They just played the hell out of it.
2: I've left me.
0: Well, here we go.
2: (laughs) Stoic faces when I think of you. (laughs) And how I once believed. So now you call me. But you know I won't let you through. I've myself to deceive. So leave, leave the memories, memories alone. alone. I don't want to say the way it is. That's how it used to be. Leave the memories alone and don't change
1: thing Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. oh my god, the amount of the, the amount that we heard that song like over the course of that weekend. And then, like, subsequently after, it was crazy. But there, there's something I wanted to bring up. I know we're, oh, my God, this could be a long episode. But um, I feel like the days of the Raw after WrestleMania being a big thing are over with. Hmm. Granted, I I think the pandemic may have... Uh, played a part into that like maybe the last few years but i don't yeah. feel like it's going to be as significant as it was like maybe it doesn't have like as much punch as what it had in previous years like yeah they might do some uh people come back or they debut people but or man
0: up or whatever yeah
1: i don't know that it necessarily has like the same kind of impact that it may have had uh, previously. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like it. Even, even when pr- prior to the pandemic, it just seems like it's kind of the importance of it and um, it being such a, like a uh, an important night has kind of just fallen by the wayside.
0: Mm-hmm. I could see that, yeah. Um. I mean, I guess we just have to leave our memories alone sure sure um yeah because i mean they'd have some like really big debuts maybe something significant happens uh you know mm -hmm. shifts in stories or something you know but yeah i i agree i think that in more recent like especially the last few years it's kind of not quite had that same feeling as it as it did before no no you know with the you know, five five to ten years ago or more. I mean,
1: some people might argue that it was actually a bigger night than WrestleMania
0: in some respects. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I feel like it felt like a continuation of right. It was sort mm-hmm. of like you know, kind of like the the last sort of like um
1: event of the weekend.
0: Right, right. You know, like uh, I mean. <laughs> We've even kind of done it, you know, we go away for like a weekend or whatever, go out of town for a show and maybe, uh, you know, we've uh, gotten a hotel and then we're like, oh, yeah, on the way home, we're going to stop at this brewery or hey, we're going to stop and check this out or whatever. And, uh, you know, it's sort of like that last like bit of like fun, you know, that sure you're trying to like sure. squeeze out of the yeah. out of the weekend. Um, it's kind of in that respect, a little bit of like what it, what it sort of felt like, and maybe, you know, you still have some like good times with that, but you're kind of, you're winding things down, but it still felt like all told, like a part of like that entire event, like WrestleMania. I mean, if you kind of almost look at it as like the entirety of the scope of the whole, you know, it, it was like the sum of its parts basically yep.
1: um okay so i mean the the obvious question is gonna be sean what's your
0: ranking for this match um it's it's tough because i mean i i, I mean i i don't i don't know like i mean I, I i did give it a ranking um i gave it a nine and a quarter but i feel like i mean i'm I was so conflicted kind of like giving it like a a ranking because some of it, I was just going to, it was just sort of like just out of feel. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I mean, I could easily give that this more than that. Um, It it was almost like I got to a point of like, okay, let me throw down a number and what sort of feels good. But um, I hear you. It, it, Um, was it, you know, as technically sound as other ones, maybe not in some respects. Um, you know, maybe that being a place of where flair was, but like I said, I mean, it didn't matter. I felt like for me, I was seeing like Ric Flair, you know,
1: here, here's my take is, uh, the match nine out of 10, the moment 10 out of 10.
0: Yeah. I, I could get that and i I think if I were to separate them I mean that's where I was like i i actually sat here and I was like do I give this i mean is it like a 10 out of 10 to me um and and, and I, I you know I could agree with you in making a very very strong argument for that um about like both and if again, if we talked earlier about like wrestling being a lot based around moments and feeling and emotion and kind of like eliciting that, then this ha- this had uh, all of that. This had everything sure. in spades of like what you, what I want out of wrestling. Yeah. Um, and, so, I mean, i I could, you know, I could definitely make that argument that it's like even more than what I gave it. Right.
1: All right. So, I mean, yeah. So we we have one more match left in, in this episode. And oh, my God. This is going to be a three-hour episode. Um, the last match for this episode that we're going to talk about is from WrestleMania 25.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it. I wrote down, and you, you can agree or disagree, so on, the, on 24, I wrote uh, it, that Flair and Michaels was the greatest moment we've ever experienced live at a wrestling event. WrestleMania 25, we decided to watch The Undertaker versus The Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. And I wrote, this might be the greatest match we've ever seen live. Yeah.
0: Easily i mean and we've seen some really great matches i mean both the wwe and ring of honor and other independent shows we've seen some fantastic stuff yeah over the years
1: yep and this one easily takes the cake i mean yeah just these guys just laid it all out on the line i thought uh before we even get to the match, the entrances were great because they had this whole thing where, like, it was Undertaker, the dead man, versus HBK, like, this, like, almost, like, religious entity. And they they really played up into this whole thing where Sean, even, like, when he came out to, like, for this match, he was kind of, like, on this platform, and it looked like he was, like, on a pulpit, like... uh Delivering a sermon, yeah, and he had all this white light behind him, and it was such great, like uh, imagery, like imagery, yeah. and uh, the the vision of it, and and then uh, and then uh, Ric Flair came out and delivered a cross body block to him. <laughs> Jesus, uh, no, but um, the other thing I remember, and um, I mean, we were at. So, we were at 23, 24, and 25. And what I remember about this one specifically was Taker's entrance for this event was just amazing. Yeah. I don't know if it was because of our proximity to the stage, because we were a lot closer to the stage than any of the other ones that we had been at.
0: Yeah, we were more so towards the floor, weren't we? Yeah, but we were, we're up in the stage area. Like, yeah. where
1: they came out. And, uh, I mean, the fire and the image of him coming out, it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, and they say so much around it about, like, his entrance and to, like, kind of experience that. Um, it is something. Uh, I yeah. mean, it's not even, like, just like, you know saying it as kind of like uh you know uh, yes it's saying it as a fan and you know they say like um you know uh the the announcers hype it up or if you watch matches of undertakers there's like like oh you always get a chill or like there's always like this presence and like of the undertaker and they're trying to you know build them up as like this otherworldly being but it's like Mm-hmm. something i mean really just it's an experience of mm-hmm. uh, having to have seen like an a, been there live for that entrance is something and what i mean we i mean we did a whole thing about undertaker with like the the last ride documentary and kind of like him as a as a whole but like it his like presence and um commitment to this character and him coming out for this entrance and this one was incredible it was it was something to have been there and i mean we were <laughs> i mean we were fortunate i mean we were you know to see like uh uh i mean five different taker entrances yeah um over you know over the wrestlemanias that we've gone to mm-hmm. and yeah, and the um this one, I mean, I, I agree. I mean both entrances were pretty spectacular and good like kind of like um I, I'm trying to think what the word like a like comparison or like uh kind of like uh they played off each other well. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. They were de- definitely very different, but it worked well like the the differences between them. Yeah. Uh so I mean, the match itself was really good. I mean, it was so, it was so like it had so many back and forth moments in it, and uh, it just, God, these guys just uh, work so well together despite like the size difference and everything. Uh, Obviously, there was a there was a few moments um, that you watch, and one of them was a little cringeworthy because of what happens and then the other one is just an amazing like iconic moment in this match uh the cringeworthy one is there's a point in the match where undertaker does a dive to the ringside yeah and um, he's supposed to basically hit like this cameraman who wasn't really a cameraman and it ends up failing miserably but yeah. It's okay. I mean, it, it doesn't take away from the match itself, I don't feel.
0: Um, it's just, when I see it, every single time I see this, this is one of those, like, without fail, as many times as I've watched this, and you see the angle that he's coming out, it's like, like, every time. I, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, I mean, it's some kind of miracle that like it, it that did not end worse. Um, yeah. My favorite moment
1: in this match, though, and you may know where this is going. Uh, Undertaker hits a tombstone on Shawn Michaels. Oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, he goes and he does his classic pin pin attempt with like the arms crossed and he does the tongue out and all of that and Shawn Michaels kicks out yeah and the look on Undertaker's face is just it's phenomenal it is, it is amazing and it plays to everybody not only the not only the TV audience but the audience at the match too because it's just it's oh,
0: just geez. unreal these two guys, I mean, they—they they just, I mean, they sucked everybody. Yeah, I mean, even like the most like j- jaded or most in-depth, like been watching wrestling for however many years. These guys, again, I mean, we talked storytelling in the last match, but uh, you know, with Flair and Michaels, this one in a in a similar fashion, like. Um, but, but different in its own respects, like just, they, they grabbed like the attention and the imagination of everybody and had you going along on this ride with them. And it was just yep. fantastic stuff. I mean, like JR's call there, uh, I, I think he says something along the lines of like with that kick out. He's like, I've just had an out-of-body experience. Like it is <laughs> and I I feel like that was just like not like just like a something he was being told to say or whatever. Like you could just feel like I mean he was very much in the moment of that. Um
1: the presentation of this match and um like how the crowd was coming across like at the event itself you could you could totally feel like watching it like how vested everybody was into it and how like they just ebbed and flowed with the match as it went it was really cool and really like it, it, they were um they were really uh hitting the note so to speak yeah yeah um like just playing that playing that perfect song so to say you know like just you know like hitting every note perfectly and had the crowd eating from their hands
0: yeah it, yeah. it
1: just it worked on so many levels yeah um and then i mean the story between these guys worked on so many levels yeah uh, yeah so i just I don't know where you were at with a rating for this one, but um, this one uh, I think might be my first 10 out of 10 on this list.
0: I wound up like it was oddly, I was like, I don't know where where to place it because I'm like, I looked at the one from 24 and I looked at, and I was so different, like in terms of like, like yes that you know the moves and the athleticism was going to be at a different place um just as because of where both taker and michaels were versus where like flair was Mm -hmm. um but both were one of those like emotional investment type of matches the only thing that i might have and it's a minor little minor quibble of something is a little bit on the finish um where, like, Michaels goes for like that, um, moon salt. That moon yep. salt, and it's cool. Like, Taker catches him, but it's a little bit where, like, it almost feels like, and you could probably play it off as, like, oh, Taker's kind of like exhausted in the match, but it, it sort of looks like a little bit like he's waiting for him, um, All right. And, 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 and and yeah i mean there's maybe a couple other and you know obviously the dive and all of that but it almost kind of adds to the match quite honestly cuz they they use the the dive thing um mm-hmm. with like the count out sequence where michael's goes back in the ring and is like hoping like for a count out um and you see like michael's playing into that masterfully um i I wound up going the same rate. I went with a nine and a quarter, but again, I'm just like, I was so like conflicted in a way of like, what do I give this? And I, I agree with you. I could just as easily go like something like almost as close to a 10 or a 10, even Um, like we said, I mean, we've seen some incredible stuff, um, I mean, over the years, I mean this other mania matches that we were there for, ROH, like uh what like Kenta and uh I always forget who we faced. Um, uh uh Davy Richards. Davy Richards, yeah. I think uh what like you know, like Johnny Gargano and what was it, Shingo? Yeah. Um, like being present for like some independent matches. I mean, even like ones we've mentioned, I think like uh uh, of like um, Nigel McGuinness and uh, and El Generico, like I mean, even just like seeing some of like uh, a, a match like that, and as incredible of like matches that we've seen, you know, both WWE and, um, you know, other independents, uh, uh, Dragon, Gate, uh, Dragon Gate and Dragon uh, Gate, Chikara, yeah, yeah, over we, the years, we've seen a, like we've seen a bunch this two CW. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is just, I mean, this is like, was everything on all cylinders. And I, it was as close to, I think, perfect as he, as he could get with a wrestling match. I mean, you know, um, Mm -hmm. that I've seen live that I personally Mm -hmm. seen live. Um, Mm -hmm. I, yeah. Um, so I, I, I could, I could probably like watch it again next year and have a different rating and probably rate it higher. Um, I, I, I
1: could understand that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, it's, it's interesting. Cause I mean, I said like, well, we're, you know, when we got up to like 23 or watching 22 or, or maybe even like 20 or 21, I was like, yeah, we got like a string of matches here that are... I, uh, actually,
1: great. I think you were even before that. I think you were at like 17 or 18. Or, or 17 you or
0: 18. Yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah, I think I was. You're right. I was maybe even at 16 or 17. And well, I was like, well, we've got a string of matches here that are great. Yeah. Um, well,
1: let's face it. Like when... I mean, as far as like the ratings go from like 17 on, when like Angle versus Benoit... And then and then taker versus Batista are my two lowest rated matches of all of those. That says a whole lot. Yeah. And those weren't rated that low. <laughs> yeah this this wasn't this wasn't difficult to do because of how good the matches are. It was difficult to do because how good the matches are.
0: There was a thing I tried to watch them, like I watched several in a row and I tried not to compare um, as much as possible because of like what the matches were on their own. You sure. know, like you yeah. saw such a wide variety of like, you know, triple tag team, triple threat tag team ladder match, a six way mm-hmm. ladder match a technical, you know, grappling type of match, uh, a, a, a hardcore singles match, a, you know, a match with like a legend and, uh, I mean, well, two legends basically, but like, a, you know, that, uh, two big like basically uh, like hosses. Um, yeah. So <laughs> we just saw like such a wide variety of matches that I was like conscientious to try not to rate them in comparison to one another. But then as I went along, I was like, Oh my God, I have so many of these that I'm like an eight, eight and a quarter, eight and a half. Then I started to get up. I was like, man, flair and Michael's. I'm like, this is like a nine or plus for me. And, Mm -hmm. and then we like cap it off with this one. And I'm just like, I don't even like. I'm like, I I don't know like what what where to put it. Um, it, you know, to even settle on something. So,
1: I, it, it, I mean, people talk about like great errors of wrestling. I gotta say, I mean, like if you were if you are witnessing matches like these, you know, granted, I mean, you could take the greatest out of like you know greatest out of ten matches and go, oh yeah, that this is a great error but like i mean they the all of the, like year after year after year you were getting match quality like this yeah yeah you'd have to weed through some stuff that was maybe you know not as good but yeah. that, you you know you could you could find matches like this every yeah. year you
0: and they weren't even the, the, the top
1: though. main event match on the card you know that that tells you something you know like that that, yeah. that maybe that there was some good out of this era yeah
0: Well, I mean, Um, you can argue that out of any era. I mean, the '80s in the early '90s, you know, kind of the Hulkamania era. You're gonna find like the, you know, the really good. You're gonna find maybe like the kind of not so good. Um, Even same in the NWA or whatever, WCW or ECW. You know, you're gonna uh, uh, heading into the new generation era, then the Attitude era, and like, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, and ruthless aggression era and all that. I mean. You're gonna find the, the you know the good and the not so good with any of those yeah. um, eras. I mean, looking back at some of the manias during the Attitude Era, um, Mania 2000. It's you know right at the height of their popularity, but it's probably all told one of the weakest manias as far yeah. as like matches go. Yeah. Um, so I. It, but I, I think people were so invested in like the stories and the characters and the bigger picture. Story, oh yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah.
0: Um, That, that it, it didn't quite matter. um, Necessarily. Like people didn't again, like necessarily care so much around like, you know, five star six, seven, eight, whatever star, like that wasn't a, that wasn't necessarily a concern to folks and yeah. i think that it was uh it, it was more like hey am i invested in uh, i you know i like the rock i like triple h i like austin i like you know sure. that was more of what it was about or yep. i like hogan i like flair i like savage you know yeah, it, yeah.
1: i mean that being said i mean uh, the the uh, this is just like an embarrassment of riches, this stretch of like 15 matches that we watched. Uh, but stay tuned as uh, we get into the home stretch of matches uh, uh, for the our WrestleMania rewatch for this year, uh, as we'll feature, we got what? Uh, 10 uh, plus four. 14. We got 14 more matches left for you. And we'll get, we'll get to those in the coming weeks. And, Uh, we'll review and discuss those. So stay tuned for that. I know this is a long episode. We do appreciate if you stuck with us this whole time. Hopefully you enjoyed what you heard. Uh, Man, this is a labor of love. And clearly we do enjoy talking wrestling as we just did for three and a half hours. Um, (laughs) So, yep. But please stay tuned. um, And we hope you enjoyed uh, what we talked about tonight. And yeah. Check out some Scott Hall matches. Uh, Sean gave you a great list of matches to check out. Some you may be familiar with and maybe some that you're not so familiar with. But check those out and uh, continue to check our stuff out. And uh, give us some comments on our Facebook page and all that good stuff.
0: The preceding podcast has been paid for by the Wrestling World Order. Another one for
1: the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good night, all.